0: Welcome to episode seventeen of Miniatures Monthly. My name is Chris Suston, and as ever, I'm joined by Tom Senior. Hello, hello,
1: hello, hello. It's pretty exciting this month. We were excited last month, but it's even more exciting this month, isn't it? It is. Yeah, we're, we are recording this exactly a week before Age of Sigma Christmas two. Only seven days away. Got my pre-order in. I'm, I'm buying everything, Chris. <laughs> I'm buying everything they're selling me. <laughs> you want all of it? You want ghosts? I do. I want ghosts. I even bought, uh, one of the, the new range finder thing. Uh, mm. Yeah. So I've that left
0: me. those little spicy, uh, editions. Those are all sort of mm. like, well, I'm already in for, a, in for a hundred, <laughs> in for, you know, 10,000 pennies, mm. in for the rest of the pounds kind of things. Yeah. I've left them for when I go to pick up my pre-order. I will mm. inevitably buy mm-hmm. like scenery dice. Or something, yeah, yeah, inevitably. There's tasty extras. But I want when initially doing the pre-order, I wanted to occupy the world where I buy only, <laughs> only what we need.
1: Indeed. What have you? So what? What are you picking up? So I'm one? picking up the the new box, which is the new um, Stormcast Army, which is the Sacrosanct Chamber, uh, and they're facing off against the Night Haunt, which are just a bunch of beautiful models. And just a bunch of beautiful uh, ghosts lovely lovely wibbly ghosts and uh guys and cool cows with big sides and they're, they're awesome um that comes with the rule book which is enormous they're doing a kind of almost like a 40k it's style bigger than the 40k book oh it's it's like a gorgeous hardback thing with full of lore and maps and scenarios and just pure nerd goodness really mm. uh mm. very mm. excited and yeah the games workshop books are just are beautiful things they're really really lovely um And I love the 40k rulebook. I still just pick it up and just look at it every now and then because it's just beautiful. I love the idea that AOS is getting something that equivalent to that for the new edition. Yeah, totally. And uh, 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 so the corset? Corset, uh, Malign Sorcery, which comes with uh, 12 spells, is it? (laughs) It's 13, it's, it's 13 spells mm. and I think 16 models because some of the spells are more than uh, one model. Yes, yeah, so that's true. Like there's, there's some chains that come out. And, and the Geminids of the Hayush. They might be my favourite. The rules for those are crazy as well. Uh, they, they sort of form a beam and you move them across enemies and it makes, makes it harder for them to hit and move and stuff. And yeah, it's yeah. super cool. I'm, um, I'm I'm pretty convinced that I, I'm going to be incapable of referring to those
0: spells by their full names without <laughs> doing a wizard voice. <laughs> <Absolutely>, <laughs> which yeah. is the same as which is a, a new rule to add to they're all horses Tom they're all <laughs> yeah, just, just horses we've got a, just horses and we've got to pronounce <laughs> not to skip horse. ahead but that they're all horses thing is going to get increasingly difficult <laughs> <laughs> is, based yeah. on some changes
1: that yeah, in. yeah for sure uh, <laughs> uh, yes anyway so yeah Malian Sorcery and Malign Sorcery, and that goes with the book uh, and it comes with some scenarios I believe and it comes mm-hmm. with like uh, what I really like both the sets come with cards for just using the tabletop like uh, kind of you know reference cards for all of the spells and for all of the units which is rad yeah uh, I'm also picking up the general's handbook which is I was kinda of surprised that this is coming out alongside everything else. Mm. Um, because I thought it might sort of react to the changes in the OS and then sort of like point things accordingly, but no, they've just gone straight out there and say, We've redesigned the whole game and here it is in one big package. Uh and so that's gonna contain like match play profiles and points for all of the armies and uh it's gonna, gonna contain loads of scenarios and stuff as well. Uh so that's exciting. Um I also got my got the rangefinder and that's it, I think. Mm. That's pretty much everything they're putting out. Yeah. It's close to. <laughs> yeah, right? Pretty much apart from the dice and the, and the little odd, odds and sods. And uh, I've still got some um the kind of scoring counters and the um turn counters from the previous sort of general's handbook, so I don't don't need any of yeah, that stuff. I did get that stuff. Yeah. That's <laughs> that was my extravagance. So yeah, I, I, I'm I am um, i am I'm
0: not bothering with the core set because uh, as I talk about in this podcast, I wanna I really wanna focus on my core projects and not add armies that I don't really plan mm. to collect. Um but I am gonna get the book, obviously, because it's got maps in it. Uh, Malign Sorcery and General's Handbook and inevitably some dice of some <laughs> description. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, probably a note for about the pod itself because so this is, um, obviously very, very exciting, but because this is coming out, um, basically right after we'd normally put the pod out we, we, it puts us in a weird position tom doesn't yeah. it because we can't talk we obviously can't uh go in depth that we we want to go in depth on on a just my second edition after we've got all the stuff yeah but we definitely can't do that the same day we get all the stuff because <laughs> That's like, you know, 500 pages of of books and and obviously loads of models to build and things like that.
1: You've got to play it as well properly, you
0: know. Indeed. So here is the plan. This month's podcast is going to, we're obviously going to talk about Age of 1 2nd Edition. We're going to talk about things that have either been revealed or leaked and uh, what we're thinking about them and how they affect our armies because there's loads more information now than we had mm. this time last month and also what we've been up to and that kind of thing. But then we are going to go away for a couple of weeks. Obviously, Age of 1 2nd Edition is going to come out. We're going to... Uh, read of the things and build the models and uh we've both been working on new additions to the armies and things and then we're going to play uh, a big old game probably the first proper game in the new narrative campaign uh with age of sigma second edition mm. and endless spells and all of that stuff and do probably mid-month in july a age of, age of sigma special edition sorry second edition special yes if that makes sense, that's the yeah,
1: mm, very excited.
0: And then at the end, and then the regular pod service continues mm. when we just probably keep
1: talking about it just like well. I think it, if definitely. we didn't do it this way, we'd we'd end up with a ten hour long podcast. Yeah. Uh, the month after this, um, where we just literally have to cover so much ground. Yeah. so we'll break it up, and we want to kind of like go deep when we can you know yeah consider this
0: podcast probably the first part of a three part 10 hour second extravaganza with last month's three and a half hour podcast yeah, acting yeah. as a kind of prologue <laughs> that also touched on things like um but it's interesting because this has really dominated the news cycle for a lot of different things like last month uh one of the reasons our podcast was so long is because there was so much news it was age of, there was x-wing 2.0 uh adeptus titanicus and the announcement of this. Whereas yeah. for me, um, you know, 40k's had a relatively quiet month, mm. nights codex came up, but I don't think either of us have really to say about it other yeah. than cool. Yeah. <laughs> night's cool. Um and but every day there's been some new AOS thing and as as the copies of the corset and the books and things have arrived in stores, um everything's leaked. <laughs> mm. In terms of points and mechanics and yeah. things. Yeah. So yeah, just now I'm just at the champing at the bit, wanting to Wanting the app builder to be up no sorry, wanting the Army Builder app to be updated actually so that I can start theory crafting yeah, without it. having to use a pen and
1: paper like a like, like, could, uh, like I'm at like school again. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, the list building element of things is going to change enormously. Uh that's mm. the the last sort of hundred, two hundred points in your list can you can put that into so many different things now.
0: Yeah, let me, like I was trying to figure out like how, how we start. where yeah. to start with this stuff. And I think that's maybe an interesting so I think we should always try and link stuff back to our actual armies because mm. that's sort of what's most relevant to us. But you're right, like um one big change for me between the command point change and the ability to buy command points for fifty points, the sort of the costs of the endless spells have been revealed and they range from like twenty points to sixty, eighty points. Yeah. Um to triumphs which still sort of existed, like getting a buff of having mm. less points than your opponent. I don't think we've ever remembered. <laughs> no, <laughs> you and I triumph. have never remembered an <laughs> opponent remembered at a tournament I well, went to. Yeah. I was like, you, you, Warhammer <laughs> wizard. Yeah, you've ruined. You, you get to have free rerolls to hit mm. for a turn or whatever. Um, um, the uh, yeah, there's. This building feels so much deeper because of that, almost alone. Mm. Because different armies require different things out of those, and therefore different armies have different uses for the last chunk of points, which almost also accounts for where battalions previously would have been as Mm. well, like bonuses for taking particular sets of units. It feels like there's a sort of
1: four- or five-way trade-off now. Mm. Like, Do you want that endless spell? Do you want a couple of endless spells to round that out? Or do you want that extra command point so that one of your sub-heroes can use... Not only just the uh, command ability they might have on their war scroll, but one of the three new command abilities, yeah. which are really good. Like uh, they make it easier to like run further. They make it easier to charge. And as a stormcast player who has failed a lot of charges in my time, yeah, this is like is literally a game changer. And let's for not forget how many ones you roll when liberators <laughs> run somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the huffiest, puffiest, slowest liber- liberators in all of the realms. Uh, I've like I felt, I've snake eyes on my prime so often. Uh, I love the idea that he could come down and that he can command point himself and kind of psych himself up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, come on, do this. (laughs) Particularly because the, um, so to clarify the, the,
0: there are essentially three new command abilities, but one of them is a reworked inspiring presence. Mm, Yes. And, um, the, and they are much more reactive than they used to be. Mm. So inspiring presence, I think we mentioned this last month, but like, inspiring presence is now used in the battle shock phase. So, you know, if a unit is likely to face a nasty battle shock before you choose whether to buy them out of it, basically. Um, the um the run roll uh the definitely do a six when you run thing, it's done after you've rolled mm. so you can roll and go, I don't want to go one, I wanna go six. Yeah. Um and the same is true of the charge as well. It's you you don't set it to a particular value, but you do
1: reroll it. Mm. So yeah, that is that hero coming going oh just bellowing yeah. Yeah. come on <laughs> yeah. I love the idea of, it, especially uh, in the Battleshock phase using inspiring presence it's the idea that you, a general sees a unit faltering and then just cr- calls out something really inspiring to them and then I was, was just- going to say dabs <laughs> he just dabs and they're like okay Play! we're in it we're in it we're uh, fine yeah. <laughs> that's more cinematic to me actually I, like, and, and, and more interesting in the game as well Like it's, it, 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 it stops is, yeah. Battleshock from being too like swingy i think yeah you're
0: yeah. right i think i think maybe in, in order to talk about the the mechanical aspects of this the mind's eye hmm. sense of it is a lot more important like um the previous inspiring presence is like this unit this this turn happens to be inspired by this guy no hmm. one else gives a shit yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like not like it's not like the character is trying to impress this particular <laughs> unit because they're vulnerable which is what you just said yeah but He's just flexing near them. Yeah. They're, they're like, they,
1: they just noticed that. That guy. And they just love it. Yeah. yeah but the rest of your I army mean, doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. That is strange. <laughs> yeah. The other, he calls out and just kind of boosts their morale for Sigma or whatever, you know. Yeah. And I, I really like look- the faithful.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And I really like the way it changes the ecosystem of command abilities as well, because mm, it means yeah. that like, so the, the Lord seller, the, the, uh, Tetris command ability that makes Stormcast immune to Battle shock is very point sufficient mm. if you think you're going to take a lot of damage. A lot of damage spread out across a lot of units. Yeah, yeah. But it's not an auto-cast anymore. No. Because in some cases you might be
1: worth saving it to see if any of your units take a hit. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really great for um the lord aquila who's the vanguard leader because his command ability lets him pull a unit and just vanish off the board and come on another another board edge and previously you'd have to make him your general to be able to do that but now you can spend a command point and just do a kind of crazy you know awesome is it any Stormcast unit um i think it's got to be a vanguard right Uh, it's there's a specific list so it's got to be either like aether strike aether strike or long strikes or um chickens palador's or hunters so it's got to be a other, mm. other vanguard otherwise it'd be crazy it's like these retributors are over here now yeah exactly uh, no it's just within get on board the chicken man <laughs> 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 they're all piling on yeah so yeah, I love that because it unlocks a lot of I mean that's just for Stormcast and Stormcast don't even have that many specialist command abilities but some, yeah. some armies have loads and it's going to be really interesting for people playing those armies
0: so in terms of, in terms of this there's a lot um, this does introduce a lot of potential jank <laughs> to the game Uh, I I feel like there's a lot to be clarified. So the general's handbook hasn't been like fully kind of poured over yet, nor has any kind of day one FAQs or anything like that. There are definitely things in the game at the moment that feel like you and I wouldn't encounter them because we're not likely to try and pull this kind of thing in a game we play. But you know, uh, I remember, I remember the thing it reminds me of is when, um, when the disciples of Zinch book was revealed on the Warhammer live stream, they got a couple of rules quite wrong Mm. in ways that made it seem even better than it is Right. so one of them was like using destiny dice to set mortal wounds on spells that was the reason I thought you could do that it's not in the book it's just that's how they did it on the stream and they were like talking not just doing it in games but talking about it like this means when you cast a d6 mortal wound spell you can guarantee you're killing a hero that kind of thing not how it works Mm. not not how it was written to work they clarified it in FAQ but I don't think it ever been the intent and so because these mistakes creep in and because people at the moment are assembling the rules out of kind of what's been said as well as what's written Mm. i think there are some things that have been misunderstood or or aren't going to quite work um the way that um the way that we think but some of the things so far are amazing so like for example uh there's uh there's been several instances in the way they've revealed the rules that suggest that you can use a command ability as many times as you have command points and you can even keep reapplying it to the same unit Mm. So um that doesn't do anything if your command ability is this unit can re roll failed charges or something, because it will only have a trigger once. Yeah. But there is a, a grot war boss, a moon clan grot mm-hmm. goblin war boss whose command ability um doubles the damage of a given unit of moon clan grots. Right. So what you can do is take sixty <laughs> of that. them in a single mm-hmm. unit. Yeah, yeah. Save up uh, uh get whatever other battle line you need. Mm. Um then uh, this is obviously very all in, but you can then, uh, spend the rest of your points on just a billion command points, whatever, six command points, mm. spend 300, 400 points on command points for turn one. Then if you get turn one, uh, you use some of those command points to make sure you get a run and charge. There are other destruction moves and stuff you can do. Yeah. Run and charge. And those, those, each of those grots, uh, at 60 grots will only do, has maybe at three attacks each. Mm. And they're going to be like hitting on fives, wounding on fives at no rend. Mm. But if the command ability is stack, then you enter a logarithmic scale, hmm. where if any of those attacks go through, each individual attack does 64 damage, <laughs> 128 damage. Yeah, yeah. So you can hit. You end up with this one punch goblin kind of situation <laughs> where an individual goblin goes it, eh! and like archeon just blows up eight <laughs> times over. Yeah, there's no way that that won't get fact. <laughs> but the thing <laughs> is, I think it it almost doesn't need to in a way because it's so broken. Like yeah, it's yeah. it's not like it would ever really work in a tournament. I don't think because if no, you don't, don't get turn one or whatever mm. then you are just 60 goblins and if anyone snipes that hero you're just some goblins yeah,
1: <laughs> like, yeah th- i think there's, there's definitely going to be loads of uh, like uh so the general's handbook and i uh, i believe introduces like dozens and dozens of new artifacts oh oh shit there's so much stuff like uh, y- that yeah. yeah and and the blind uh sorcery i think it believe i believe it has different spell laws for like, different realms yeah and stuff. yeah and, the, and there are like quite deep rules for the, each realm now. It's always been part of Age of Sigma, but they're really kind of doubling down on that. And it's going to be at the intersection of all of that new stuff is going to create some like total horseshit on the kind of competitive <laughs> scene, frankly. Yeah, you know, normal horse shit. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty gruesome out there. It's going to be very entertaining to watch. I can't wait to see what people come mm. up with. Um, but for us, it's going to be. For us, it's great because we could just pick and choose whatever we want. I'll be very interested to see what tournaments decide to keep and what yeah. they decide to let go. What's interesting go. is
0: it's sort of a split system.
1: Mm. And, and so last time I was wondering like,
0: you know, how much of these rules are going to be adopted by that scene. Yeah. So there are two parts to that system when it comes to realms specifically. So each of the books has something with realms in it. Mm. Like, you know, the, I think the core book has the realm specific rules. It does. Um, and then the artifact is split between Malign Sorcery and the General's Handbook. Mm. Um, but there are two factors. There is the realm where the battle is taking place and there is the realm your army is from, Mm. and the realm your army is from is a list building decision, Mm. which gives you access to artifacts from that realm. Um, so you bring them with you wherever you go, uh, the realm where it's taking place affects certain battle conditions. So for example, in the Malign Portents book earlier this year, there were the rules for fighting in Shaiish, which we played with when we played our game you know like the command ability that lets you siphon wounds from other units and things like that that's all still in the game Mm -hmm. and those are actually that was just a preview of those rules for shyish so the realm the the battle is taking place in gives you seven extra spells because it's one in the core book plus six from malign sorcery Mm. um and new command abilities and uh table wide effects which happen in addition to specific scenery effects yeah so there's loads of stuff. My guess is that the majority of tournaments will probably go with, will probably let players bring armies from a specific realm, but won't specify realms for tables, because mm. that might end up really
1: swingy for yeah, certain armies. Yes. Especially because certain, sp- so, um, the endless spells have a lot of interesting effects so probably the most controversial one eventually will be the mirrors Yeah, Uh, and and you set them up in different parts of the board and it lets you throw spells uh, into one mirror and it comes out of the other mirror Yeah, which is awesome like that's such a good idea for a a spell however it's so open to abuse when you have so many new spells coming into the game Uh, and especially because in some like, I believe Seach can place that anywhere if they want to. No, it's if the battle is taking place in the realm of shadow. I see. It can so be placed anywhere. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's where that becomes insane.
0: Yeah, what uh, that's a really interesting one. So, like, this is one another one of those examples of, like, the more I've looked into it, the more I appreciate some of the design stuff with that. Because mm. so I have a chance to see some of this stuff. So the the mirrors are a really interesting one. The yeah. Umbral spell portal. Mm. its full name. Mm. Um, the, um, is, so in order to cast a spell through it you need to be within an inch of it. Okay. So you ha- you have to you cast the first fight. one on yourself. Mm. And then unless you are fighting in the realm of shadow, the second one has to be within 18 inches of the first one. Mm, okay. So it kind of does what the bellwind Vortex used to do. Mm. Uh It doubles the spell range of, of most 18-inch spells. Yeah. Like, uh so it's very, very good for Zinch because it uh, replaces... The, the Bailwind has changed quite substantially, which I've, you know, now seeing what it does, it's it's been reined in mm. basically right. quite <laughs> substantially. But also uh without destroying its essence yeah you still go up on a tornado yes yeah. you know it still looks rad yeah uh it can just be dispelled now yeah and if uh when it's dispelled you redeploy the wizard somewhere in range mm. but if there is nowhere for the wizard to deploy the wizard is killed mm. so if you mob the bottom of the vortex because there's no right. limit there's no limit on getting close to it now that's it right. doesn't obscure movement yeah. so if you can mob units around it then dispel it you can just dunk a wizard and <laughs> yeah. kill them, which yeah. is very fun but yeah so the thing about the so the interesting interaction with the portals is so in order to cast a spell through it aggressively you need to um, place it next to your wizard or wizards you know if if you want to turn one have loads of wizards all ganging up to throw spells through it you need to plan that when you deploy them mm. uh, there are some interesting things, things that interact with that which is cool mm. um, uh like there's a yeah well we may get to that but like um, and then you need to pick a point and all the spells come from that point which is interesting because yeah you can have multiple wizards pouring spells through, through it mm. Uh, mm. but um, you um you, your your second point of casting measuring range is going to be at a fixed point that you can't move yeah um, manually uh, if you are the owner of the spell portal you can only remove it or unbind it yourself at the beginning of your hero phase mm. so you can't open it pour magic through it and then close it again okay um, and that means that your opponent is guaranteed at least one turn to try and get to it and mm. to throw spells back the other way or unbind it yeah um, if you open the other half within 18 inches of an enemy wizard, then it is definitely within 30 inches of them. So they can definitely try and unbind it whenever yeah. they like. Yeah. Um, but the really cool thing, and this is when, this was the sort of exploding brain version of this for me mm. is I realized this makes certain and the spells way more important than they'd otherwise be because mm. everyone has sort of gravitated towards the utility spells like the cogs and the cogs oh, yeah. that speed up time and the, the spell portal and the bellwind still because, mm. People are used to that kind of utility. Ultimately, winning more games than like a big moon that eats people or whatever. Yeah. But actually, the only so the 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 best counter to the portal is a predatory endless spell mm. because um if you know, let's say you you do this to me, you set up endless, you send set up a, a mirror next to one of your wizards, which you'll have very soon, Yay. so you can throw a spell at into my lines, right? Mm. Then, and let's say you're, you're smart about it. So you make sure you want to hit one of my wizards with it because I'm playing Zeech and everything's a wizard, mm. but you set it up 18 inches from my wizards, uh, which means that you can throw spells through it happily. And there's basically no way I can get to it to cast spells back the other right. way. Cause unless I get a double turn, I'm unlikely to move 18 inches to then be within an inch, an inch of it at, at the start of my hero phase. Yes. Right? I yes. can't cast spells whenever. However, if a predatory spell, Ends its move within a certain distance of the spell portal. It gets pulled through the spell portal and goes out the other side. Which means my only way to threaten you Hmm. without moving is to have a predatory spell, which I then cast close to the mirror, Hmm. move into the mirror. And then because you've had to put your wizards within an inch of it
1: to see through it, it. there's nothing they can do about it. I mean, that's like, imagine the scene. (laughs) (laughs) A bunch of wizards crowded around this giant mirror and then suddenly... The moon comes <laughs> the through. The giant purple sun of shyish comes out. And, and out to the better thing about that mm. is I can
0: unbind it whenever I like. I just have to give up a spellcasting attempt. Yes. So I can throw something through it. Say, Let's say you get the first turn of the game and, and you set up the mirror. On my second turn, I can then throw the moon of death through it mm. and then close it. Yes. And then you've got a moon of death, presumably in your back
1: line. Yeah for the rest of the game or until a, you... You get to move as- it, right? So, so the thing about Endless Spells is that the other both players get to move. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, like, where are you are going to move it? It's in your back <laughs> you line. You've got to move it off the board, right? Just <laughs> yeah, gotta, exactly. like, just shunt it off into the wilderness and <laughs> <laughs> off it goes to on its merry way free, forever. Be free, Lassie. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Be free, giant purple moon yeah, like, of Shai'ish. Yeah. Um,
0: so when all of those different interactions clicked for me, I was like, oh, this is actually really... Cool, like mm.
1: this is a super cinematic as well. Yeah, but I, I, I think um, there's there's some interesting jankiness around endless spells not being able to sit on top of units mm. and sort of bumping into units and not being able to fit almost because they're on quite large bases. Some of them are massive. Yeah, some of them are huge. Uh, so most of the time, like if you get a purple son of change through that portal, it, you may not be able to set it up on the other side. Most of the time, if it's in the middle of an enemy army, just because of the size of the base and the fact it's got to yeah, got to yeah. fit in there. Uh, so it, it's kind of it'd be interesting to see if there's any clarity about that in the yes, rules yes yeah i think so like if uh if you can't pass over units that mean you don't move do you just bump into them because that's not supposed to be how the spells really work they're supposed to be like these sort of tornadoes that would blow through yeah the, stuff the, right. the, the death moon doesn't get out of the way like, oh, sorry <laughs> I'll, I'll stand here yeah excuse me oh i'm, I'm so sorry i can't yeah. elbow elbowing his way through a unit it's like yeah. it just like goes through that thing and kills those people and it doesn't feel like the, the rules quite work that way from what i've read so far but it would be interesting interesting mm. to see clarification i suspect you'll see a lot of people using it's like so some things have to move in a particular way like in a
0: straight line yeah. whatever other things just have to make a move so I'll see I think you'll probably see a lot of people going like well I'm going to move three inches into your unit and then three inches back out right, again for sure yeah yeah definitely like um, and say where I am it's just because it rotates basically yeah exactly yeah. This, this good ball of death yeah yeah, those are really cool things, like, um, the gu- I think the guillotine's really solid.
1: Yeah, I like the guillotine Also, Oh, like. sorry, the pendulum. Yeah, the, that's the thing that goes in the straight line. You pick a direction for it and your opponent can move it, but only backwards or forwards along that direction. Yeah. Which is a really, that's like skill shot across the enemy. Unless
0: NBA. you cast a spell portal in front of it.
1: Ah, on your turn. Yes does can that change its direction then
0: yeah because you just place the other one so that comes out somewhere else and then you yeah. determine which direction it goes
1: from the other side it, oh so you set it against the setting yeah because you set it up again yeah oh yeah that's sweet that's awesome and then your opponent sets the spell portal we'll to try and move it and it's then like paint. a giant game of horrible pinball <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> which everybody um, dies
0: i was thinking that because like things like the new um the celestar ballista the storm coast oh, yes. which is very powerful mm. it's basically adjudicated prime lying sideways it is, on and steroids. It's, uh, it's, it's supposed to be 100 points as well, so it's yeah. 60
1: points cheaper than a, a unit adjudicator's, which is interesting. More vulnerable, but yeah, yeah. interesting. But because
0: it gets a, a really big bonus for being in cover, mm. it's going to be the kind of move, m- model you want to set up, but not move. And it's very powerful, long-ranged and things. Mm. And I really like the idea that a counter to, like, entrenched siege weaponry is... Like the pendulum mm. that you set up at the start of the game, and it's going there eventually. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah, you really love being behind that wall or something, mm. or on top of that hill. But the big metal pendulum is coming, and everybody's jumping.
1: Yeah, the cover rules for the because um, it is explicitly written into the wall scroll of that bal- baluster that they get extra cover bonuses for being yeah. the cover, and that makes me think there's more kind of scenery coming for that will be like wider and flatter and more like battlements or something it's
0: really interesting the the core rules which are now out Mm. um so i read them as being a bit more encouraging of possibly the way you and i would always interpret cover like this basically counts like Mm. this is reasonably in cover yeah i need to read them again i'm in front of me unfortunately but i remember thinking that when when i saw them like hang on this feels less like, I suspect that in a tournament, people are still going to insist on every mill- millimeter of every model has to be on the piece of terrain for it to count. Right. But it felt more inclusive of like, if this model is reasonably in cover and you can't see more than half of it, then it's in cover. Right. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this should be interesting. Not be good. Yeah. So, um, oh man, we're, we're jumping around. So that was the, like the realm stuff is, is really interesting. Hmm. I think, um, it'll be interesting because, so like, we've traditionally played almost all of our games in the realm of metal or realm of fire. Cause that's kind of like what I built my board to look like. Yeah. And you know, I think one of the interesting things about the realm rules is I don't like, you know, whether or not we use them is sort of a story decision to some Mm. extent. And I I think one thing I'd like to do is find a a mechanism by which our uh, a narrative campaign, um, which there's a lot more support for now, including special rules for narrative campaigns, which is really nice. Um, uh, moves around between the realms quite a lot mm. rather than like, you know, uh, as we did last time, like a campaign to take a particular city, for example. Because I think that way you have more interesting games as you're both asked to deal with different scenarios. Yeah. So like I've seen the realm rules for Shaman now, the realm of metal, and there are things that are gonna be very good. I think I think it'll ultimately end up fair, but there are things that Stormcaster hate about that mm. because there are things that penalize you for having really heavy metal armor. Oh yeah. Because um you can uh you can reduce saves. You can I think um, I think there's a spell that reduces your movement speed based on how good your save is. Right. So if you're not wearing any metal, it's fine, but all the uh, metal's yeah. getting heavier, that's cool. which is really themy and mm. cool, like a really cool way of manipulating the
1: the wind of
0: metal. Yeah. But I can imagine me being like, all of my guys are wearing loincloths.
1: Hooray! <laughs> yeah. and whereas- a naked seat <laughs> Exactly. 100 miles an hour. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, th- that's super cool. They, they seem pretty strong. So there's a rule in, uh, actually it's a realm of fire, isn't it? Mm. um where if you're shooting actually i think you'll find actually <laughs> uh actually and thou shalt know that uh shots that travel more than 12 inches gain an extra rend because they catch fire yeah, in yeah. Mid-air, which means judicators insane yeah <laughs> like they're like rend two, like uh yeah true Law of change is even even more trouble than they were before yeah so they do seem they do seem pretty strong the realm rules and um definitely fun for narrative play but if you for more competitive uh, play a bit too much, I think. Possibly, yeah. At least in that regard.
0: Like, there's a rule in the, um there's a rule in the Realm of Beasts, I think, which is, like, after the command phase. Yeah. Um, after the sorry, after the combat phase, you roll a dice, and on a six, the combat phase happens again. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> <well done>. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, corn yeah. just is very, yeah. very happy with yeah, it. Yeah, So is sure. Iron Jaws or something.
1: It's kind of a cool idea that certain factions would be very strong in certain realms because it just, yeah. it fits with their ethos and the way that they the, yeah, the whole philosophy, the whole deal. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, interesting from a rules perspective. But there's some really <laughs> nice stuff. Like I
0: really like that the realm-specific artifacts um give me a chance to like patch up weaknesses in characters. Like I've seen like because mm. the, they're, they're generic in an interesting way. So there's something like the stuff like um there's a, a shaman specific relic, because I looked at the stuff that was specific to I had a peek at the stuff that was specific to my guys, basically. Yeah. There's like a there's one that is like a like an alchemist's amulet that Gives a, gives a character an unbind Um which you'd think as Zinch I'm up to my neck in unbinds anyway mm. but one of the things that means is that it's a really big deal to take a character without one particularly because I've got things like Destiny Dice like Zinch is better at unbinding on balance than like any other character yeah. in the game short of Nagash mm-hmm. really like and that should be a strength of the army like it's really hard to be better at magic than the and magic Zinch army for sure yeah but that means that some like a Fate Master that have gone down in points because they're the melee Zinch hero they're the only like non-wizard Zinch hero mm. Giving them something to participate in in that phase is actually quite a big deal, yeah. and it allows them to interact with battalions in more interesting ways. Mm. And there's like Zinch on the whole doesn't have access to a lot of rend, like because you got mortal wounds. Right. But one of the shaman artifacts is a weapon that just changes one of their weapons to have minus three rend, mm. which is suddenly nuts because it's like oh shit. A lot of this stuff was sort of conceived with like high damage but low rend or something. Again, a fate master's a perfect example of this because mm-hmm. it's like good character hard to shift. Um, but like they don't, they need a little bit of something. They've always yeah. need a little bit of something. So suddenly this is a flying 16 inch movement minus three rend hero. Yeah. Nice. It's like a lot a bit of tastier. Yeah. Things. And also yeah. it gives, I think the other reason I like it is it means that I can pick something for my army that isn't just all wizards all day, every day wizards, yeah. wizards. Cause it's, it's like, yeah, all it is is a table of generic items, mm. but that's kind of what the game needed. I think like something to create a gray area between armies. Yeah. Mix things up and
1: yeah. Yeah yeah I'm really excited hopefully you're going to try and get some mortal wound saves on my Stormcast with some artifacts because that's what they hate have you actually thought about where the lore hunters are from I mean it's kind of weird with um, Stormcast because they're all from Azir right right yeah so it feels like they're kind of tied into that um, like you could make an argument that the hunters have been living in the realm so long that they've adapted. Well, I suppose it reflects which artifacts you have. So it's stuff you've right. gotten from a realm. Yeah. Right? And they're literally artifact hunters. So that's, that's very true. Yeah. I've just, uh, picked up like a brother and sister hero who are part of a chamber that operates in Shaiish, for example, there. Yeah. Like, so if you, from a narrative perspective, maybe if they wanted to, they could take some Shaiish out. I
0: think it'd be reasonable them. for you to flip around, to be honest. Mm. Like, you know, yeah.
1: I'm probably going to stick with Shimon because the they go everywhere they, yeah uh, the whole point there's some magic shit to be stolen and appropriated they're going to do that but part of the- me feels like it's almost like it's a it's a reward for converting but
0: basically a reward for basing it's mm. like you just put a put a big like
1: metal rock on your base you're from the realm of metal now <laughs> right yeah like is yeah. that a cog good I'm really glad i went with some neutral basing uh that could be in a lot of different realms rather yeah than going, like full guy yeah. or something. Yeah, it could be a wasteland in the realm of metal. It could be ash in the realm of fire.
0: It exactly. could be a car park in the realm of life. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, any of those. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how this affects our army specifically. Yeah. Especially the point changes, and Zeech's in particular had a massive overhaul.
0: Well, yeah, so that, I think, almost, that is related to one of the biggest changes, which is reinforcement points and summoning. Mm, of course. Um I don't know if you want to get into that now. Maybe we should. Like, so, uh, this is, this is... I'm really happy about this. Although it's like, so Zinch has been probably quite substantially nerfed mm. so to the extent that it's a different army now, which is great because it's closer to the army I want. Yeah. I think than the army I sort of accidentally got, because mm. I, I got Zinch before battle time, right? I was into Zinch because I like the models, I like the fiction. I, you know, I'll take whatever rules they give me basically from, mm-hmm. for, for these wizards, these wizards. So this is probably the, the last massive change we didn't really discuss last time. So I don't think it was revealed last time. Yeah. Um So summoning, of all kinds is now completely free, um, which is on on first glance bananas mm. because, you know, this is old school AOS issues with exp- exploitation of r- court rules that allow you to have a free law to change every turn and yeah, all this yeah. stuff. Um, there's all of this um, sort of like there's been issues in the past with how ambiguous the rules for horror splitting are. Mm. And it's been a huge mess in the past because there are loads of, there are loads of heroes in the game, particularly, but particularly in chaos. Mm. And that's because chaos tends to have a monopoly on people turning into gribbly tentacle monsters that are rules you just don't use. So to do you, do you even get out of the zinch bucket for a bit. The Chaos Lord on foot, which I got to paint for fun, has a rule where when he dies, he turns into a Chaos Spawn. (laughs) Because that's kind of the fate of a Lord who's failed. The idea is that he stepped out in front of the Gods of Chaos and said, I'm going to win a great battle for you. And if he fails, he turns into a Spawn, because that happens. But if he kills the enemy general... He turns into a demon prince. Oh right. So like that's the that's the gamble. So you're supposed to this model is supposed to contain two other models, basically implicitly. That's really, cool. that's really cool. previous that was that the rules always been there. Yeah. But no one would ever use it. Yeah, because you'd have to, to either to put points. you'd have to put 50 points aside for the chaos spawn, or you'd have to put closer to like 180 points aside mm-hmm. for a demon prince. And you're not gonna do that. Never gonna happen. because it's such a such an edge case. So on a basic level, summoning being free makes loads of stuff interesting again. Because um, you know, that character has actually had a points increase, even though nothing's really changed about them because this character is now guaranteed to contain <laughs> an extra 50 point model. Right. And may contain, if you play your cards, right? a 180 point bonus hero. Yeah. Obviously you replace the basic hero, but at that point, fair enough. You earned that. What goes from being, Oh, that's cute, but it's an edge case. It'll never happen. It's not worth the points mm-hmm. goes to being, Oh, that's an interesting edge case. But if I can pull it off, my 2000 point army has become a 2180 point army
1: yeah and what a story that creates as well you know if yeah you, you manage to actually maneuver it and get that off that's and also it's the most chaos thing it's just a great again it's about how that looks in your mind's eye and when because you're playing the game yeah absolutely and because zinch is the god of turning stuff into other stuff mm. there's lots of stuff like this in the zinch
0: book that i've never used so we discussed this before ogro uh, Thamaturges were already underrated yes right yeah um they are uh, it's been almost, I've almost through gritted teeth watched the Zinch forum people r- now realize how good they are. Right. Because that D6 mortal wound spell he has creates pink horrors. Mm. That's what it has always done. For every mortal wound it does, even if it doesn't kill something, you create a pink horror. Mm. That's fucking incredible now. It's so good. He's gone up in points as a consequence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cause every time he shoots somebody, he invents a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that escalate, he's now like a priority target. Like he is like an escalation. He costs the same as Demon Prince for a reason.
1: Yeah. It's interesting, um, that because I remember you ran him in that tournament and you, you've run him really successfully against me as well. Yeah. He's, just, he's really punching, Coppa. He's very, very good. He's very good. He's, he's the very best Zeech well. melee hero. But- yeah. By a long way. And it's, it's weird that you don't, you didn't see him more often. I think it's because people got fixated on, um, sky fires and, and mortal wind spam. And, yeah. Mortal wind spam, which is obviously, you know, the army's good at, but I think it's good to have that variety of yeah. punches in your army, different types of punch.
0: And also like his ability, like that ability just becomes a little bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. Likewise, the, the sort of yeah. generic Zinch wizard heroes called a magister i have one but i've never used it um because he's only all right and it's not good enough to be all right in the army really um uh here's a spell uh that does i think d3 mortal wounds and then for every model killed you roll a dice on a four up you they turn into a chaos spawn, which is super themey but previously you'd like take a 100 points reinforcements Mm. and think about oh maybe if i get this a couple times in a game that'll be fun but i've already paid you're paying a hundred points for potential chaos spawn. And you're probably just going to put that on a Bellwind vortex in the end. Yeah. So the notion that those chaos spawn become free, like that's super cool. That means like shit, like uh, that accounts for weaknesses elsewhere in the army, which we can get to. But like that, I really, really like mm. now the big sort of army spanning changes and this is a huge deal for anyone who has a god-specific chaos army, is that every chaos god now has a specific way of earning a special points mm. system. Yeah. So Corn has blood tithe points. Uh, Nurgle has growing the garden points, basically. Slanesh has excess points, which are earned every time uh, and a unit takes wounds without dying. Right. So one wound models aren't very interesting to Sanash, mm. but whenever your heroes take a little bit of chip damage or their heroes take a bit of chip damage, you get points. Nice. And it's, it's the edging points basically. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, that's great. um, but it means that like, it suddenly becomes really dangerous to like chip away at a keeper of secrets mm. because he's giving them those, so, so many points. Yeah, he's going to be very happy about that. Yeah. Or she's that's gonna right. Very happy about that. Yeah. Um, they're going to be very happy about that. And, um, and so, um, Like, um, and for Zeench, it's whenever a spell is successfully cast by anybody. Yeah. They get a point. And at the end of your movement phase, which is a very crucial window, you can cash in your points to summon demons for free. Mm. Um, so, um, if I can get, if 36 spells are cast in a game, I can have a free Lord of change. Yeah. No questions asked. Mm. Um, that's a lot of spells, you know, that's two spells, two players casting a lot of spells every turn. Yeah. Um, you can, you can play for it, Mm. but- uh, difficult to get whereas like for example the corn one will happen anyway because corn gets points when units die so that will happen yeah. you know like cinch has to play for it a bit but it's appropriate that they should yeah um and this is really cool because i think it changes the dynamic of playing it's chaos quite a lot mm. it becomes not just you have to understand that the army you're looking at isn't the army you might be p- facing mm. if you don't have a plan for playing around the condition
1: that makes their god more powerful, mm. which I really like as a mechanic. Yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? Really gives, uh, really brings out the sense of identity in those different forces. Um, it's going to be interesting because a lot of the kind of artwork around the chaos has been around the everchosen o- o- as well. It's yeah, our Ar- chaos has taken a points drop. Uh, if these leaks are correct. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it seems like th- it, I'd be very interested to see what are like the ever chosen's equivalent of that is like kind of in between of gods. Maybe they don't have one. Maybe they're just, they don't get so, a spoon. Yeah.
0: Slaves of darkness and everchosen. I don't believe get this, mm. uh, but they do have access to obviously like free cast born and things from other sources. Yeah.
1: I, I can, I can foresee a future where there's like a, uh, like an ever chosen battle tome or something that gives them their own thing. You know? Yeah. That's a good idea. Where they take yeah. kind of chaos curses from different chaos gods as well as, you know, boons because they're massive traitors. Yeah. I'm yeah, awesome. indeed. Yeah. That'd be really neat. But yeah, so this is, uh, like,
0: uh, a lot of, like, stuff have been rebalanced based on the summoning potential. Mm. Um, so, you know, pretty substantial points changes to account for this, but I, I really like it. So the downside to this system, I think, is at terms, in terms of, uh, I'm, I'm very lucky. I feel about this the same way I feel about other changes that in the past that have sort of like played into how I was already doing things. I'm very lucky to be someone who built a zinch demon army mm. and then started a mortal army because it means that my mortal army as it grows has all of the demon sideboard i will ever need yeah i have every demon unit in numbers in decent numbers so um i will never like because there's a risk so if you don't have any for example let's say you've only ever had zinch mortals If you don't have any zinch demons then as you play you are earning points you can't spend and all of your units have gotten more expensive yeah, because yeah, of a especially. benefit you can't use. Mm. So I would say that for the god-specific chaos armies, like, it's slightly different for corn because you can use the blood tithe points for other things. You can use them from unbinds and bonuses and things yeah. or use them for demons. But sometimes a free unit of bloodletters or a free bloodthirster is going to be the thing you really need. Yeah. So, and you're paying points for that and you're not getting it. So for me, it feels like the start collecting demons box for each god has become a kind of Essential. almost mandatory bolt-on yep. to a chaos, for, sure, uh, for a yeah. god-specific chaos army. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, uh, to be honest, I think they previously basically were because they tend to be the best units in any of the armies. Mm. Like, that's true of all of them. Bloodletters are better than Blood Warriors most of the time. Yeah. Uh, Plaguebearers are one of the best infantry units in the game. Pankara is one of the best battle units in the game. Demonetsa and Zanesh has always been a kind of dark horse kind of powerhouse yeah. in some ways yeah. so but i can understand people being upset that it feels mandatory mm.
1: yeah i think you're right and then i mean same goes for undead as well yeah like they're gonna have to have to be summoning not zombies because they're, they're terrible but you know as many skeletons and chain rats pods as they as they yeah. can and they're going to need those models uh for sure and yeah uh, yeah i definitely don't feel that bernard stormcast player because that's not what the Stormcast Army is about at all, really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not something I have to worry about. But it, you are looking at spending an extra sort of fifty to a hundred pounds for, depending on like what your army is supposed to do, yeah, to actually make it competitive.
0: I think the reason there's not been more of a kind of hullabaloo necessarily is because, like, for example, if you are a Zeech player. Mm. You probably have some pink horrors. You probably have a lot of change. You might not have any screamers, which are some of the cheaper things you can buy with summoning points, but holding on for pink horrors might make sense because of the way pink horrors work now. Yeah. So, so yeah, mm. so I'm happy because it's how I'd like army to work. Mm. It seems more themey and it plays into what I've already got, but I can totally understand.
1: Yeah. I guess, um, the counterpoint is that, uh, as pink horrors have gone up to like 200 points now. Yeah. So you'd, yeah. Ru- you'd run, fewer pink horrors anyway so that kind of creates a little sideboard for you perhaps yes that's that's a really interesting sort of um
0: change actually so because again so they've sim- so I, I think since uh since it came in the rule about pink horror splitting has been really difficult mm. to
1: balance never been quite right has
0: it though? never been quite right at the moment you have to buy the points in advance mm. um for them to split into blue and then brimstone horrors the way they've changed it which i really like um both from a balance point of view uh, basically, changes what the re- unit is. Mm. So now, when a pink horror dies, you can choose to make a revenge attack where you roll a dice on a six. The enemy takes a mortal wound mm. for every pink horror that's died. Um, as in, you roll a dice for every pink horror that's died, or you can gain two blue horror points. Mm. And when a blue horror point, but a blue horror dies, you get one brimstone horror point. And you keep a track of how many of those points you have. And then, when you would otherwise be trying to summon a unit of blue horrors or brimstone horrors, mm. you can pay their specific points instead of the generic fate points that you're earning by casting spells. Yeah, so um, It's like it's
1: own mini economy, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Um, so it's more stuff to track obviously. Um, but that crucially means that the splitting doesn't happen when pink horrors die, which mm. is what is previous. And in kind of what the fiction always is, they've actually rewritten the fiction slightly. So the idea is like the demonic energy of the horrors like dissipates and then regroups mm. somewhere. So rather than it literally splitting in half, um, like that energy is kind of enters the ether and then a wizard can kind of pull it together yeah. to create the blue horrors. But that means that indefinitely targeting somebody with a unit of pink horrors that becomes 20 blue horrors, etc., doesn't work anymore mm-hmm. because those, when those units are summoned, they have to be summoned within 12 inches of a hero and more than nine inches away from enemy models. Yeah.
1: So it's like any of the summoning. Yeah. For the most part.
0: Yeah. So it changes the role of the unit completely, but it does mean that each unit of pink horrors, this is the other thing, the, the revenge attack isn't very good. Mm. Uh, it's okay for blue horrors because a lot of them could die at once and maybe you don't care about brimstones but you know um it, you really want the points so it means if you have like again i feel so lucky that i painted 20 blue horrors 20 <laughs> brimstone horrors because that's probably about the amount you need yeah but i think that's almost like a t- an additional tax on each now mm. like if you don't have blue and brimstones you're really missing out and you're mm. paying so many points you're paying 200 points for 10 wounds but, well, it's the difference between paying 200 points for 10 wounds and
1: paying 200 points for 50 wounds Yeah, with no points different. Yeah, for sure. You've like, got to have them. Otherwise, you just don't take the pink horrors, right? You just yeah. take some of the infantry. That's much well, cheaper. Well, yeah. Like, well, no, it's not much cheaper. The, th- the three of oh, yeah, you think so. Like, it's just more expensive. All everything expensive. is more expensive now. Yeah. Like, my army's got, like, uh, my
0: 4.3 thousand points of Zeech has become 5,000 points of Zeech. Yeah right <laughs> um, but um but that's what's really interesting about it so like carrick acolytes went down mm. and now they are the cheap battle line option for zinch they're 80 points each. yeah it seems, it seems about right which is good yeah they needed a job and their job is being less expensive than <laughs> yeah. Went up.
1: Bodies. yeah which is yeah. what they are like they're supposed to be you know called they're not there yes they're, they're not haven't received zinch's blessing properly but no. they're trying to impress they're just big swole boys <laughs> love wizards yeah um
0: uh which i can relate to half of and then um but yeah, so everything's sort of changing up. But I really I'm trying to think, i trying to get a holistic view of it, and I don't think I will until we've played. No, but um, I think the Zinch, particularly to wrap up before we move on to Stormcast, is in a really interesting position now, where you have to really consider what the strengths and benefits of the army already are. Mm. It's very, very, very expensive to build any of the Zinch battalions now. Right. Really hard. Yeah, like, um, like so. And also both uh, Brimstone Horrors and Blue Horrors doubled in points cost to buy them out of the gate. So if you don't want Brimstone Horrors at the start of the game, Thanks. act as a screen, for example... Uh, that's like they were 40 points. They're now 70. Right. So it's not quite doubled, but mm. blues have doubled from 50 to a hundred, which is a big deal. Cause previously they, they were like the cheap includes in a change host, for example. Mm. And so change hosts have functionally gotten a huge amount more expensive yeah. and quite hard to get yeah, into. Lords of change have gone up by 80 points. Yeah. It's a massive increase. That's a huge increase. Um, like, uh, and also there are other subtler changes, like the minimum match to play unit size for a unit of chaos Marauders has gone up from, uh, 10, uh, 10 models to 20. Mm. And what that means is that what was previously a, tra- a source of cheap battle line for very min maxi chaos armies that would take like RK on some greater demons and three blocks of 10 marauders yeah. to meet battle line isn't possible anymore. Um, so again, all these little changes mean that you have to make much harder decisions. And I think the interesting one is when I first started looking at it, I was like, I want command points. I want to spend money on command points. I want to spend money on endless spells, which feels like a gimme for Zeech. Yeah, But actually, I really have to pick between those things. Yeah. Because... Like my units are so expensive that um and so in danger. Like they die. You know what I mean? Like pink arrows aren't gaining a four up in vulnerable save against everything, like mm-hmm. they have in forty K, right? They will still just vanish sometimes uh when some formulators look at them funny. And that's a huge investment. That's not to say it's a balance issue because they're so good, mm-hmm. but like you know you're paying money for stuff that might just vanish
1: and you have to trust that you'll get it back somewhere else. It's going to be very difficult for Zinch to maintain table presence in terms of capturing objectives with so many fewer models on the table especially because they're so so squishy. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I mean I wonder if a lot of Zinch players will ally in a big block of something with 200 points just to kind Ah. of just caps. I think Chaos Warriors are looking quite good mm. for, for Zinch. Um,
0: there's a few things that are looking interesting. But what's interesting is I realized that like I really want to take command points because I really want that. Like Zangor can run and charge, for mm. example. They
1: got the tactical decisions on...
0: Yeah. So if you, like- you know, if you if you use some of the movement enhancing stuff like the cogs and you have command points, you can guarantee a six, to, you know, you can give a block of Zangor, which I've been working on, like an insane threat range because mm. you can, you can also use Destiny dice to set charges. So if you've got two Destiny sixes, and plus two to move. Yeah, You could suddenly give Zango like 26-inch charge range, which is fucking great, Mm. but it requires all this setup. Whereas, and then, so it feels like a real choice, and then you realize, well, hang on, do I need command points as a Zeech player? Because I basically have no command abilities. Mm. No one has a fucking command ability in Zeech. No one gives a shit. Yeah. They have spells. And I have Destiny Dice which step in for the same sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, I can just set my run rolls with that instead mm-hmm. if I need to. So it becomes a question of efficiency and like where you put your priorities, which is exactly how it should be. It shouldn't be just like, well, this is optimal, so I'll do this. Yeah. Which is really good. How have you been feeling about the Stormcast changes?
1: Uh, it's pretty interesting. Like a, a bunch of stuff has gotten cheaper and a couple of things have gotten more expensive. So uh, this is if the leaks are correct, which it really looks like they are. Yeah, I think. Uh, um, so for example, the Heraldo, everyone's favorite, he's 20 points cheaper. Like, he's down to 100 points, which is crazy, because he's great. <laughs> I think,
0: and I hate saying this, yeah. I think that Harold might be the best Stormcast shooting unit now. Uh, it could well be, for, for, for the 100 points. points. Because, think about it, not affected by Lookout, Sir, in any way. Because, mm. Lookout, Sir, that man is about to honk a big horn <laughs> yeah, at the hill we're standing Can't warn someone about that. It's exactly, just, it just happens. just happens. Um, they can run and shoot. Because it's not a shooting attack, it's just something they do in the shooting phase? I'd need to check that.
1: I th- I'm not sure. If, I think it's a shooting attack, so I'm not sure. Really? I okay, I always thought it was just like in the yeah. shooting phase, honk. No, but it's it's 15-inch range and there's no bit hit roll. There's no 2 wound roll. It just happens. Yeah, you just exactly. roll the range of the thing. And, t- and scenery is massive normally anyway, yeah. so it's, it creates a huge bubble of mortal wounds, basically. So think about it. like, Would you take two units adjudicators hmm. or would you take three heralders <laughs> 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 hmm. I mean it's a toss-up at that point like it's pretty close I think at hero sniping the heralders would be better yeah Uh, the, it, it depends on the table true yeah and stuff like that I'm gonna burn all my terrain yeah, <laughs> like. yeah. Um, so the, I mean that's he, he's amazing there's one thing I've not been doing with him which is like he lets you retreat and charge so what I should have been doing all this time was with formulators every single turn using the inspiring horn to get them to retreat and charge they're always damage three in combat right yeah so they, they still do that as far as i know and i don't think their war scrolls changed so a 100 points for like they are, i've got to i have got to buy more because <laughs> it's really good yeah. it's really good i, I need at least oh, two god it's just the honk yeah, it's the, the giant it's, welcome to the big brass band the yeah. down from the sky <laughs> yeah, exactly to ruin your oh, building. god uh, i remember when um
0: when we did the uh the narrative, when the, when, when sorry, when the management of the community did the narrative mini campaign, uh, when they went to, when R- role models roll out, when they went to Warhammer world. Yeah. And, um, you know, they asked for a bit of story from us. So we gave them the, the quest they're on basically is to recover magical instruments, but implicitly musical instruments mm-hmm. from this shattered city that my sorcerer lord was from, uh, the instruments of Zakra. And they got the joke straight away that that's literally musical instruments. And I remember yeah. our friend Tom Hatfield, uh, adding begun the dute wars have <laughs> um
1: which uh and which that's was both very pass. funny at the time and is, in, is increasingly coming to pass absolutely uh, that's a which is that's a great point change for me and i don't know why he's cheaper seems great 120 <laughs> points but yeah we'll see uh i'm really happy that um, the Paladors uh, have come down by 20 points they're 200 points now right the aquila has come down he's 200 points as well um so you can have like a 400 point block that's kind of interesting yeah. Uh, and I can see why people work running them because they're a strange unit. But uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what they actually do when when I play with them. But they're hyper mobile, really interesting unit. Um What else has changed? So the the um, I believe the of Prime has come down a little bit, but the uh, the leaks have revealed a bunch of new Stormcast heroes, including uh like the Lord of Hammerhall or something, who mm. may well be the dude riding the enormous sort of Griffin that you see in the. uh the aos2 trailer so you, there's lots of art in that trailer that basically reveals future models yeah yeah and one of them is a, a Soulcast um riding an enormous winged kind of creature that uh looks absolutely awesome so i reckon that'll be him uh something called the lord exorcist uh which is 100 points and i can't wait to see what the hell that is yeah <laughs> so that there, you're seeing like these future waves of um sacrosanct chamber that are just about to come through the new Sacrosanct are interesting because they're actually much more synergistic than Stormcasts tend to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the, the Sequiturs, who are their, the basic unit, their battle line, um, are kind of brilliant. Like they're, f- you get five for 120 points as compared to like five Liberators for a hundred, I believe. And they, they are better than Liberators and more importantly, they're kind of potential. They have much greater potential than Liberators because the general of the Sacrosanct army and a lot of their kind of minor units can buff them. And so you, you, you the evocators have like a, an ability to get them to, I believe, reroll wounds or hits. Yeah. So if, 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 all the buffs go on, then they're rerolling wounds, hits and saves. And a unit, a block of like 20 of those isn't that expensive. And I could see like them being a, the new kind of default Stormcast battle line. Especially because when you can take different Stormcast heroes from different chambers and then use command abilities to yeah. get, let them do their special thing while the Sacrosanct kind of serve as the, the big core force. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how the, um, how the kind of makeup of Stormcast army changes. Because there, there isn't much synergy between chambers. So the Vanguard heroes affect Vanguard yeah. units. Sacrosanct heroes affect Sacrosanct units and Liberators randomly. Um And there the... the um extremist chamber is kind of a thing onto itself so it's going to be very interesting to kind of blend those different things it's almost like very like three different armies like and how much of each army do you want in your force and and how much you know how much synergy do you want when do you want to sacrifice that for just having more formulators basically (laughs) um so it's, it's, it's an interesting choices for for stormcast it's interesting that the um the new spells the endless spells are good but they don't Generally, they're not amazing for Stormcast, really. Yeah. However, uh, it looks like Stormcast are getting their own endless spells. Three of them are listed in the leaked General's Handbook uh, points listing, and that will be very interesting to see what they do. Yeah, one of them is called something like the infinitely burning comet. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds pretty great. Um, um, yeah. So, so it's, it's interesting time for Stormcast. The great thing is you just, you get so many new models if you're a Stormcast collector and it's constantly coming out with awesome hero models that I can paint forever. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that, that's good. The, the treadmill is, is long.
0: There's an interesting, um, uh, the war scrolls for Stormcast or the points for Stormcast reveal that, so we've seen multiple horses mm. that we haven't seen before. Yes. In, uh, there's the, there's the flying horse. There's the horse that looks a bit like a space cat.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so on. Yes. I um, can't, I can't remember what they're all called now. Draculith or something.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. And, and what the war scroll reveals is like, or well, the points reveal or appear to reveal is that all of those mounts, all of those horses are available to all of the different types of heroes. Yes. So there's, uh, like the Lord Arcanum, who's the new sort of sacrifice sanct leader mm. is, um, on, out of the core set is on a uh griff charger yep. which is the uh horse that vanguard ride the chicken horse <laughs> the chicken horse um and but he, there are rules for for that character on uh drake for mm. example and i wonder if i wonder if there's going to be like a relatively generic kit or like a sprue with like the mounted versions of different heroes on mm. it that can then be swapped in and out of different beasts yeah Cause that'd
1: be a really nice extension of the mount rules as they currently exist yeah so. that'd be sweet it also reminds me of more like an old fantasy warhammer when yeah that was pretty standard for heroes to come on different beasts depending on how you wanted to point them uh which is another like the idea that a lord arcanum could be as many points as you wanted to be depending on the yeah mount. and you can make a put a, a punchy one or just have one on foot perhaps that's a classic old old school piece of warhammer and it's, building i think it's a really potentially
0: fun uh hobby thing mm. as well like um I, I you know i've sort of did half of this with my manticore but like i think as a stormcast player it'd make loads of sense to have all of the different mounts with legs and mm. magnetized waists yeah, yeah so you just plonk different torsos on them mm. to have the different heroes and, yeah. and that again is a, you know an interesting use for what we're talking about that final 80 points of your list because the difference between the mounts isn't going to be massive in a lot of cases but it's like oh i've got 60 points
1: left I'll just upgrade my horse. Yeah. yeah. Even bigger horse. Uh, that's kind of what I've done with the Star Drake. So the, um, the Lord Celestin isn't g- glued, uh, and I've got the Pal- paladin version built and you just swap out the top half of the, the model and it looks fine. Yeah. Uh, so that that would definitely be the scope for doing that with the new heroes. And it, it suggests there's about six weeks of Stormcast reveals to come after this new box is out. I wonder how that's going to work. I
0: imagine we might even find out pretty soon. Yeah. Um, because they're bringing out some like easy build stuff to go with day one mm. but there's obviously those to come there's obviously a new stormcast battle time to come mm. there's a night haunt to come as well and i wouldn't be surprised if a little bit like primaris space marines after after 40k eighth edition yeah, we see back. like a kind of summer of Stormcast and ghosts yeah then who knows what dark oath dark Oath. no i <laughs> think slanesh. it'll be something else okay. i think it'll be slanesh or greenskins
1: mm. that will be nice to see I think,
0: I think there's been a lot of sort of destruction players feeling left out. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I suspect they'll, they'll get something. Let's talk about what we've been up to this month. Tom, what have you been up to?
1: I've been, I've been painting some Vanguard Paladors and uh, Lord Aquila and finally finishing off the very last strikes of my chain pile and it's done. My Stormcaster done. Uh, how does that feel? I want to, I want to live as you for a moment. How does that feel? It feels like a great way to I've been taken off my shoulders and everything is finished now and happy, but also there's a burning urge to buy and paint more things. <laughs> but now it feels like I have choice. Like I could, I could pivot, I could paint anything I could, you know, the the, the whole range is just sort of like laid out before me and I, I can pick and choose anything I want. Uh, but it's going to be more Stormcast <laughs> because the new box is coming out next week. Uh, I'm very, very excited about the new Stormcast actually. Um I've got lots of plans for how I'm going to try and how I might paint the, the cloaks and stuff like that on them. Um, but yeah, this, this month's just been finishing off. I think I did talk about them last, last time. We talked a lot about horse ass. Yeah. So I basically applied that horse ass technique to the rest of the horses that I had. Yeah. And they're all, they're all done now.
0: I was impressed by how fast the rest of them seemed to come together.
1: Yeah. I thought I, cause I got a formula down for it basically and just had the colors ready to go and, uh, just did them full production line and kind of had them mostly done over the course of like a weekend or so. And after that, it was just there are so many little bits on those models there's only so little um kind of different textured things like on the back of the horses, there's a like a, a sort of survival package that they have which is like a rope and it's like a, a bedding and a little kind of jar of some mysterious kind of drink that they the alexia they carry around with them <laughs> uh, there's just so much little so many little details on those models that, and they they are so so good they they really tell the story of what that unit is supposed to be they're supposed to be like these wild riders who just kind of live in the realms and they're completely self-sufficient um, and with their the, the, rope and bed. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Capri Sun. Yeah. They, uh, they, they have a swig of, uh, Orangina before they go to bed <laughs> and pat their Griffham, their uh, Griff horse. good nights their horse goodnights. <laughs> uh, and yeah, th- so they're, they're done now and they're probably the best thing I've painted, I think. Um, up there with probably the Vanguard Hunters that I did. Yeah. So I, th- I think as, as a force, they look really cohesive and they look awesome. Um, uh, really, really pleased with them. Uh, I think the main thing I learned was just like, uh, plowing on and getting on with it and doing stuff quite quickly and not worrying too much yeah uh, especially with the horse the kind of fur stuff it was just well you can spend time being daunted about it and worrying about it but if you just like get stuck in get go go through it quickly then oh second on the scale green on the straps okay we'll do all the straps and all of these and then we'll do all the blue Robes under the, uh, the horse seat as the, uh, saddle, saddle as it's yeah. called. Uh, we do all the blue robes under that. Then we'll do the gold and then we'll do this just like doing one thing at a time and just yeah. like burning through it, burning through it, burning through it until it suddenly like looks remarkable and almost finished. And yeah. Then you can put the look, do the eyes and do the really kind of fine details that finish it off. How do you, um,
0: like it's interesting because I think if you told someone who didn't have this hobby, I feel so relieved to have finished. <laughs> they would assume that the whole thing was a negative experience. Oh, I find no. Shame path's really interesting as a concept. Like mm. yeah, like I can understand the relief. How have you avoided having a bigger shame path? That's that's maybe the question I'm kind of it
1: <laughs> I think um just I've just I've painted all of the SoulQuest units. Like there aren't many right. new things that I, I would want to I I've I pretty much every unit that they've ever had. Thanks to a couple of like Christmases basically where people have just bought me loads of it. Yeah. Uh, and so I've, I've, I own every model in the range. There's only one or two I haven't done. One is an, a Zeros, which I've just got from you here today, Chris. So I'll probably go home and include that together. Uh, so that's a new one for the chain pile. And the other one is probably like a Lord Celestine on foot, uh, who I probably will. It's quite a cool model, but, uh, apart from that, I've got, I've got all of them. So it's more that novelty thing of, like, you know, I could, I don't really want to paint another unit of liberators. I don't really want to paint another unit of This will kind of fill out my battle line. I'm more interested in these bespoke little projects. Yeah, but you might, for example, do that
0: twenty sequitur block if the yeah. if the thought strikes you, right? Yeah, for
1: sure. But uh, that that if I do twenty of them, it will be the novelty that will kind of drive me through it. Yeah, and uh, like so, the idea of painting another 10 retributors i just not interested in it because i've got 10 retributors and you know done that it's almost like uh, you've chunked the, those projects out yeah yeah i wonder if i'd struggle with a, a full death army in some ways because that requires you to paint a lot of the same thing over and over again mm. uh, and though it can be very satisfying and you could be very you could get bone looking really good really easily and and, and ghosts looking really good quite easily as well yeah i wonder if the sort of the batch nature of it will, will be negative or maybe mm. it'll be nice i think it's a really interesting question like um like Obviously,
0: I've been doing a lot of batch painting as well. Mm. Like, finishing is really fun. And playing games with finished units is really fun. Yeah. But there's, like, there's a degree of quick, which is almost too quick. Mm. It's like you'd want to do that little extra something for your skeletons to make them your skeletons yeah. rather than just some skeletons, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
1: And a lot of that comes in at, like, conception stage. And that's yeah. the, the That's where... Um, Challenged by the sequiturs to, be like, I guess, what, what are you going to do to make these sequiturs different? They're going to be gold because that's what your army is, but what are you going to actually do to make them your sequiturs and not just another kind of case workshop sort of box art version of them? Yeah. And I don't really have the time to go into big conversions with them. So it's got to be the paint job that's got to be interesting. Uh, so that's what kind of went right with the Paladors specifically is that choosing to go with the fur and the realistic look on them yeah. is actually quite the opposite direction to how they're often painted, uh, on like Instagram. Or in like they're always very brightly coloured and they look amazing. Yeah. But I, I think choosing to go with a quite a, was realistic look was feels like my take on that. Yeah, I really like it. Uh, yeah. so I'm really pleased. Uh, they're, they're they look they look so sweet. The posing on them, as I've said before, is incredible. It's one of the most complicated models to put together, I think, in the range and that I've done so far. But. The results have been worth it and I'm, I'm slightly terrified now that um I was talking to chimp about this and he says that he reckons they're good in units of six <laughs> i was like that's 100 hours of my life <laughs> to make this a unit of six even though it'd look amazing and probably be quite good yeah you might uh, get the urge you never know like yeah i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed them it's it's, it's been uh, so much fun to paint because they have like straps and fur and kind of beaks and claws and the gold and cloth as well it's like all the things that yeah. are, <laughs> are on those models. And, uh, it been, it's just really football. like leathery scratches into the straps next to the fur. And then, you know, doing the golds, have always done it. And, uh, it's just been a lot of techniques coming together and the feeling has just been very, very satisfying hmm. and very, very relaxing as well. That's great.
0: Yeah. It's been super. I'm good. really looking forward to it. Like, I know it feels like, I uh, imagine listening to the podcast as well. It would feel like months since we've actually sat down <laughs> yeah, and, and put get, loads of models of on the table, but yeah, I mean, it does feel like it, but but it's nice to sort of have these fallow periods where mm. we just sort of like rebuild up again.
1: Yeah, and it'd be nice to... Just using your units is going to be so exciting because we all know what Retrobeaters do. We all know what vomiters do. And especially for Stormcast, like, they're quite workman-like as units. Yeah. Like, they're, they're just sort of plodding and they do what they... A lot of four-ups. For. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. Uh, oh, they're going to be three plus, four plus to hit and, you know, maybe one round here and there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they, they don't have any, like, special abilities, really, or anything, not many, like, trick shots. Um Vanguard can with their, like... Uh Paladorts can run through space <laughs> you roll 66 and they can go that far in a move Uh that's one of the kind of special powers they have but that, that's one of that's unusual for Stormcast to have something that weird and interesting yeah yeah uh, at least for the Sacrosanct Chamber we're getting magic that's going to be a, a I'm cold. really excited yeah that. so that's going to shake up my army completely like the idea yeah. Uh and some of them have auto-unbinds which is going to be huge like the, the ability to auto-unbind something devastating is is when do you use that when do you throw down yeah that, uh, shatter that I think they they shatter like it's kind of a cool image. They sort of shatter this crystal and just blanks out the the magic that's kind of congealing around what the wizard they're targeting. Um, they also, uh, the Soulcast wizards have this weird thing where they carry like soul vials with them and they can like, sort of throw them on the floor to like blow up basically and just do multiple oh, Yeah, deck, including the, themselves. Yeah. The wizard grenade. Yeah so they, they, there's this idea that if they get if they get charged they just like shatter all their soul vials and try and kill whatever's charged them and sort of go down with them which is kind of a strange and dark thing for Stormcast because they, they always know they're coming back but you know the, 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 some, it's quite dark that some of them would int- intentionally suicide in that way in the middle of battle. Yeah it's you know, neat yeah that's really interesting. It's just kind of a, a nice little dark element that uh, hasn't been explored before uh, and uh, from a lore perspective I'm really excited about Stormcast as well because Um, the sacrosanct chamber is supposed to be the ones guarding the whole reforging process. And they're kind of quite, they're tasked with fixing the reforging process and, and finding out how how stormcast could be reforged without them losing their minds gradually uh but they're busy fighting the mortal realm so it, there's lots of scope for wrong stormcast in the future as well which is rad yeah yeah lightning ghosts yeah yeah that's got to be a thing right at some point yeah yeah totally uh well i can imagine like stormcast units that are unstable and kind of turning into lightning geists if they get killed and you know maybe yeah that's an interesting it's idea so there's loads of loads of potential for where the stormcast can go in the future mm. based on that but yeah it's rad i'm really excited how about you? What have you been painting? So
0: I've had, um, I had a sort of a, a weird month in a way, uh, cause I haven't finished anything. Mm. Um, but, um, so I, I decided to, uh, I, I, well, in terms of what I've been painting, I put a lot of time into my Zango, mm. um, which I feel like, you know, I've shown you like once a month, every month, the last couple of months, and there probably yeah. hasn't been like much visible change, <laughs> but that represents hundreds of hours at this point. Mm. Like I've, I've easily spent 300 hours on that unit since the beginning of the year. Wow. From building to green stuff to, converting to every single stage. And there was a point, I think I talked about this last month where I thought I was going to try and speed them through to the finish line uh for the London GT and mm. didn't do that. And then there was a point where I realized that like, actually I'm kind of enjoying the process. Like I have a, a satisfaction with them, which is that like nothing I ever do voluntarily is going to be this grueling <laughs> after this yeah there is no army in the games workshop part of the hobby that is going to ask me to paint 30 models of this level of detail no that's true in a, in a single go yeah I can't no one that. made me do this <laughs> I should stress yeah but like short of I'm going to paint 30 Harlequins. Mm. Even then Harlequins mm. are easier than Sangle. Right? Harlequins have less materials to work. I painted Harlequins. Like, I, you know, I yeah. remember doing it like you could, you could Harlequins have more freedom to go nuts mm. and go less nuts. But there are, there are middle grounds that I think are genuinely easier than Zangor. Cause yeah. I think Zangor, cause the, the issue with Zangor is cause the level of detail is so high, but it's also sculpted detail. Mm. Like Harlequin detail is like freehand checks and stuff like that, which yeah. means if you just paint them with colorful leggings, you're fine. Um, Whereas, uh, Zangor, uh, just, and I've talked about this so much, so I won't go about it, but this, they're bedecked in just stuff. And there's some, there are some, there are, you know, it's not infinite stuff, but it is a lot of stuff. Like, um, gemstones, claws, eyes, teeth, beaks, tentacles, feathers, uh, skulls, pouches, mm uh you know, ornate weapons with gems, ornate weapons with demonic eyes. Stuff like they've picked up off the ground. Just, just so you can. Some of them have hooves, some of them have claws. Mm. Some of them you know what I mean? Like mm. some of them have uh their necks breaking out into tentacles, some of them have their necks breaking out into feathers, some of them have spines, they all have horns, some of those horns have caps, some of them don't have caps, some of them have horns that split in this way or that way. Like there's just so much going on. And at a certain point of complexity, that becomes obviously daunting. But point beyond that, it's very Zen, I think, to just sort of like, mm. this is this, like the hottest bath I can get in. And and learning to tolerate that has mm. been real. And everything I'm, the way I'm describing this makes it sound awful. But <laughs> actually, so like, uh, I did all the gold trim. Probably been joking about it for years. I've done all the gold trim. Mm. I've painted, I've base coated all the gold I, in two coats. I have... um well what i haven't done is highlight it yet but like and each part and then yeah this is probably the perfect example base coating all of the gold trim took me a week Mm. uh because there's a shitload of it it's just it there's there's more than your eye knows when you look at it actually yeah "Yeah, it's got gold trim but Mm. you don't think about the actual movement of a human hand (laughs) to go over (laughs) meters of it you know Yeah, yeah um and um and then obviously there's second coats on the larger areas. Mm. Um, so my tip of the week may have been a tip of the month a while ago is that like um gold is so much faster over a silver base coat. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Because it means that what would be a particularly on detailed bits. So like the edges of jewels mm. or things like that, gem insets uh, or filigreed areas, that kind of thing. You can get away with one coat of retributor armor over silver or over a silver base coat mm. in a way that you can't over a gray base coat because yeah. it'll look good dull. Mm. Like, whereas like worst case scenario, if you're doing it quickly, you end up with what looks like a kind of yellowy glaze over silver. That's fine yeah. in a block of 30. Mm. So that's, that's a, that's, that's sped things up, but still on, on the larger areas on weapons, on horns and things like that, you obviously want to go over again and do it again. So there's all of that. And then I could have done. Like the thing where you're just like, well, okay, that's you know, that's that time to just cover all the gold bits in in sepia, which is why I tend to use for my zinch because it's less red. There's not a lot of red in my in my zinch, Um, and uh, but I was like, you know what? Actually, I've 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 gone this far. Why don't I do three washes on every bit of gold? Mm. So I have. So like, yeah. so they're all, so it's, it's, it's more obvious on some parts of them than ov- others, but I've done far more with the gold on these and I didn't my Lord of change. Mm. Like the golds now does have some Reckland flesh shade and some, even some caribou crimson in like the very deepest recesses yeah. just to make it feel warmer and deeper. I'm trying to learn some of those things I learned about contrast, looking at the best army nominations at yeah. London GT. Like, fuck it. Like there's, there is a, inf- I've said it already on this podcast, but there's an in for a penny and for a pound thing with a batch job this big, which is like, well, if I do, 30 hero standard models for based on my, my, my capabilities, hmm. then I'll never regret having done that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It'll still be like, you know, a centerpiece thing. Yeah. And they're getting towards done now. Like there's, um, at the moment I am midway through, uh, doing a, uh, Drakenhof nightshade wash over all of their many straps. Okay. Um, after that I've got tongues. <laughs> to do yeah this is the, an advantage you have with stormcast none of the stormcast are opening their mouths and going eh. no
1: <laughs> the birds do a little bit but otherwise no yeah
0: this is the like this is what you know the subtle weaknesses of chaos i think <laughs> and that's from a painting point of view things you don't realize most order armies are kind of like their jaws are set firm mm. against the you know the encroaching forces of darkness most chaos armies are going bah! <laughs> and that's the difference between them it's yeah. basically grand alliance hmm and
1: grand alliance eh! <laughs> yeah you am got
0: to
1: paint those teeth got to paint the, all of the
0: things. yeah exactly so yeah. there's a lot of teeth and tongue and tonsils pink horse have tonsils yeah paintable tonsils
1: yeah like, if you have a, pa-
0: tonsils. yeah exactly <laughs> you know um, you got to think about this tonsil count yeah any unit uh so yeah then there's that then i'm going to do loads more stuff with the skin and the feather stubs because there's different kinds of feathers um there are feathers that are half formed Mm. um and tentacles and it's going to take me probably another i'll I'll hopefully be done by mid-month that's my hope Mm. that's been a bit of a sort of thing but actually in a month with much more limited hobby time it's actually been quite nice to just be like just doing this Mm. just doing this i sit down there they are all 30 of them on my painting desk kids who wants an infinitesimally small change to take place (laughs) it's like I'm trying to carve a statue with my tongue talking
1: about tongues (laughs) man that's quite a job I I kind of know what you mean Uh, it's just maybe it helps knowing that you'll never do this again maybe that's it like if you knew you had to do another block of 30 down the line when they went up by 30 points I was like oh thank god <laughs> like because <laughs> you'd have to match it right if you did a new unit you'd have to get up to that same standard all over again that's the worst thing if you don't do that
0: yeah i know i think like also i don't have to do anything let's do I mean, that yeah, yeah. yeah i am true. not in warhammer prison like the <laughs> yeah. the the thing is like i would never even if it was like okay here's the new each power list it's three blocks of 30 zangor i'd go like i'm not doing it mm. sorry um that's fine. You mm. know, but I'm glad I've got this. The other thing is that like um I'm glad I went to thirty, because I originally was gonna do twenty, and I am glad I went to thirty because mm. it is optimal. Like um the the change to them was how much they're kind of um what's it called, the hoard bonus. Like when it's, something's cheaper if you take it in its maximum number. Yeah. Um it got a little bit more expensive, but it's still cheaper to take thirty than it is to take three groups of ten. And because they get better the more there are. Yeah. It yeah. just feels like the right No-brainer. number of tango. Of yeah. So like you know, it's a, it's, it, that block of 480 points worth of Zango feels like, like, almost like a new centerpiece unit in a way. It's not mm. just, it's not just a battle line. The fact that it has the battle line tag is, is misleading. It's yeah. like, this is like oh, deal. That's yeah. a lot of points, 480 points. It's 480 points, yeah. Mm. But it's, but it is like, uh, 60 wounds, find a of four up save, very, very good in combat. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So that's been fun. Um, so I did that and then I had a bit of a sort of, um, so I had a bit of a sort of a reckoning, another reckoning with my shame pile um, and started the process of, of selling off stuff that I actually like, I find this, I find it quite therapeutic. Like it can, it can seem like um, I see some cause I've, I've joined more groups where people sell on Warhammer secondhand and things. Yeah. You realize how many unfinished projects there are in the world, mm-hmm. but also how many armies get sold off after the meta changes, right. and that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's not really where I'm at with it. It's not a bitter thing. It's like, um, I think a lot about this, like, Buying stuff is nice. Planning armies is nice. Daydreaming about armies you might build is mm. nice. It's, it's window shopping. It's yeah. window shopping for tiny plastic people. And, uh, window shopping is fine, but there are ways of engaging with the hobby, particularly when you're stressed out, that can be, I think, not unhealthy, but can lead you down the kind of, you know what I mean? Like, you, mm. like not to go into grossy details, but I had a pretty, like, a bit of a shit time a couple of months ago. And during that time, I basically, like, mapped out a whole bunch of 40k armies I wanted to do. And some of them I still might. Um, and I even bought stuff for some of them and sort of like started some projects and things and but it was like a sort of of the moment this will make me feel better kind of yeah you know I just want to buy some things you mm. know what I mean you know, that impulse and that's something that you know I see this whenever I'm hanging out in Games Workshop in town that that sort of occasional impulse to just like ah uh, time to buy another stock collecting box, like that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's an aspect of this hobby. And, and and I think sometimes a negative one or even a da- damaging thing where mm. people spend more than they can, that kind of thing. And I, I wouldn't say I'd done that, but I realized that my shame pile, which I do definitely have, um, was like something I could happily ignore a lot of the time, but it was always like, fuck, I actually want to be getting more value out of this. Mm. so I started selling off more stuff and being more brutal about what I was actually going to keep and what uh, I was really ultimately going to value so like that meant going through things and going like i have this you know it's right there like i have this sprue for a knight venator the flying arrow man or the knight azeros the flying lantern man yeah when am i going to use this i've this sort of like stormcast army in the back of my head forever mm. when is it actually going to happen chris like when when you want to do idneth you've got still got zinch to finish second edition's coming out at what point yeah. is it in 2020 if so what good is this sprue when that sprue could turn into a little bit of money that turns into some more AOS two stuff, or you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. True. So I did that. Um, I'm going to sell off. I I've been trying to, but I haven't yet shifted my right, primaris. Mm. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. At which point, um, I have no models left from the dark Imperium box. That I picked up <laughs> last year, which may have mean that was a mistake. However, between sort of selling that stuff off, I actually ended up getting the 40 K book a little bit cheaper than it would have cost to buy it by itself. Yeah, true. So that's a lovely book. Yeah, it's a lovely book. So, and I definitely want the book. I'm still interested in 40k, but just taking that eye to it has mm. really helped kind of like focus on what I actually want to do. Yeah. And then the, obviously the thing is not, not over invest in different things in the first place. That is solution one, mm. but nonetheless, like I think that's been quite, quite healthy. But then it's like, I, um, I haven't, I haven't finished sort of working on them yet, but, um, on a, I, there's, um, so you know, our terrain, the terrain board I built, like the secret weapon miniatures, tablescapes yeah, yeah. thing. That's a really great kit, right? It's awesome. I didn't. Find, I only found out recently why they're so hard to find. Right. And it's because of, I think, a legal dispute between, uh, and I don't know exactly the things, between the people who make them and the factory in China where they're made. Right. Like they can't get access to the the, to the mill anymore or something like huh. that. So they basically don't exist anymore. And there was only one more thing I wanted to add to it. And so, um, and then suddenly it was on eBay and it was brand new and I'd never seen one on eBay before. So I ended up spending, putting a bit of money down. So that's going to be another project for me. Uh, to expand the train board I've got with a, uh, another set of tiles, which would mean we could do an eight foot by five foot board Mm. if we ever want to, but realistically it just means we have more freedom to swap parts of the board in and out. But the expansion I've got for it is a sort of, um, sort of, uh, lost city temple set nice which is gonna be really nice i think and get oh, a cool. variety yeah, so cool. i'm gonna um paint some of that stuff up but also i want to experiment with some things i want to experiment with oil washes to do stonework like oh, kind yeah, of cool. brushed marble stonework yeah and nice. actually like for the next narrative campaign like we always talked about kind of press, pressing into these sort of ancient ruins and things but we can only re-represent that just with terrain pieces yeah whereas i want actually materially do the train. Mm, so that's absolutely. that's a new project one so that, that is a new concession to the shame pile because mm. i had finished my train board but you know um The other thing was... So, um, this is a whim. um, A bit of a non-sequitur, if you will. Mm. Uh, But um, (laughs) my local GW, uh, I think most GWs are doing something to celebrate AOS 2. And the Bath GW is doing a painting competition. And they're giving away um, the uh, easy build sequiturs. So, the Mm. new Stormcast models. Um, So, I took one and uh, I've been painting that over the course of a week um to of the painting competition um and my so thing one those easy build models which are sort of the push fit expansion things those mm. models are fucking great they're insane yeah. i can understand why people thought they were shades spire models yes because they are like they're so good the one i took which is the one i think most people would take mm. is the the new the sequitur prime who is um obviously there'll be pictures around but um and ho- hopefully she'll be finished by the time mm. uh i put the show notes for this episode but um She's sort of, um, like one, a she, and a really good she, um, for Age of Sigma, um, really powerful looking reminds me of the Crusader from Diablo three. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, but it's not like, um, she's standing with her hammer back over her shoulder, leaning mm. on her shield. Mm. And I realized something that I, I love hero, like at rest hero poses. Mm. I think it's, there's not a lot of like, they're not represented enough in, particularly in AOS, like, but things like the Dark Oath Chieftain yeah, is yeah. like a perfect example of this, where like almost standing still mm. and planting your feet and sort of str- like being kind of at ease
1: is almost as much of a, a power play mm. as leaping off a rock or something like that. Yeah, it's almost like it makes everyone around you look more extra because everyone else is freaking out and doing the kind of, uh, all the, the normal battle line units are doing their kind of mad, mad kind of attack. Panic pose. Yeah, exactly. And there's this kind of calm in the storm, this kind of, and that's, a, that's the type of heroism, isn't it? That's the type of, uh, it's a type of awesome battle. I guess, yeah, I, uh,
0: I really like yeah. it. The other example so that I can think of is Morathi. Oh, yes. On foot Morathi, where she's just pointing just the pointing yeah, yeah. Just yeah,
1: commanding someone to go and kill someone. Yeah, you know, I love that stuff. I think yeah, that's right.
0: Um, I'm always very happy to, to see sort of, yeah, you're right, non-extra <laughs> moments yeah. in characters. Um so it's a lovely model. And actually, particularly even for just a battle line unit, there's there's so much going on with them. Mm-hmm. Like I she's on the table that we're looking at right now, so Tom can, can have a look. Yes. Um um, like from things that are familiar to liberators, like her armour is like fundamentally a liberator armour underneath the tabard and the sort of leather skirt. Um which is a really nice kind of way of putting wizard imagery. But the thing that really struck me um is I was sort of it was a little bit weird with the Sequiturs that or with the Sankrist name generally, that they're both wizards and siege masters like they make they yeah. make they make catapults and staves but actually those models really bring the two together because mm. like she looks like a kind of blacksmith who's also a wizard yeah like her apron her her tabard and a kind of wizard robe could also be like a blacksmith's apron mm. and like she's covered in like these sort of anvil mm. charms and things and it's, it's that i think is is a, a good example of why os is cool to me because it's like this is two different fantasy tropes like the kind of blacksmith turned warrior and the sort of arcane night, but kind of mashed together in a way that I haven't seen before. So one lovely model, that was the first thing. But also I thought, well, I want to kind of go in a bit on this and, and, and do something. And I, th- I find after batch painting, even after batch painting a lot and enjoying it, it's nice to see if i can push myself a bit so i decided to take this opportunity to try and learn how to do non-metallic metals Hmm. um and here's bad news for me finishing things ever i found out i really love doing non-metallic metals so um so you you, she's on the desk right now but like i've only finished the weapon at the time we're talking about this but i'm sort of prepping for the rest of it and this took a little bit of reading um and and sort of looking at different ways people ways of doing it but um fundamentally, painting non-metallic metals, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend for like an army, but mm. um, it looks good, um, is really gratifying for a few reasons. One is it's basically blends and gradients yeah. and understanding like them, which is something that I already liked doing, but previously I would always do it in places where, like in a very zinc way. So fire that goes from one color to another or uh, a robe that shifts color down its length, not... Not basically doing it for the effect of a color changing, not doing it to try and mimic the effect of light on a surface, if yeah. that makes sense. Um, and then, but the thing I found really helpful, and I think will translate into my painting generally is um, it forces you to think about the angle of light. And the most, the best way to think about that is to think about four lights, sort of equidistant points of a square mm. around your character's head. And, And those kind of encourage you to think about how light might shift and things and to look at lots of pictures of metal. And actually it gets a little bit into the territory of quote unquote real illustration, not Mm. fully, but you're, you're creating an effect on a blank surface sometimes. Yeah. Um, which, um, like, and I, I understand like the skill cap for this is enormously high and I feel like I'm at the bottom of it and I feel like, you know, my, I'm able to do sort of quite brushworky stuff and I'm happy that she might end up looking like a piece of concept art. Mm. Rather than a piece of a photo, you know what I mean yeah yeah, but like it I find it really really gratifying just that sort of um the the attention it forces you to play pay to the details of individual surfaces and things, which yeah. is something that you wouldn't necessarily dwell on if you're just painting it lead belcher washing it, mm. highlighting it you don't think about how would light actually fall on this hammer yeah, is this yeah. shaped like an anvil that kind of thing um. Like, um, so you can probably see it on the flat of the hammer most clearly, like the sort of how sort of splitting up like a gemstone kind of helps that that. And then because you're painting just with ordinary paints. So like my recipe for gold is mm. like, cause I want it to be quite an orangey gold is like scrag brown, tau light ochre, doomball brown and screaming skull bone. Mm. And it's, there's something kind of fun and alchemical about taking just brown, brown <laughs> and turning it into something that looks Shiny. like gold. Yeah, for sure. Um, winks are very important Mm. winks of pure white are very important almost across the board but the other thing that um, i found it let me do is because i wanted to do something a bit extra uh, even though she's at rest so i wanted like a weapon effect or something and so what i've ended up going for which is a lot easier actually when you've done non-metallic metals because it's easier to blend other kinds of paint when you're not into an effect when you're not and highlight out of it when you're not sort of spoiling metal Mm. with another color yeah it was to do like crack crackling lightning uh, because uh, in the game, sequiturs can charge their shields or their hammers, yeah. And so I wanted to sort of create that effect. So the, so the um, the sort of uh, little details and things on the hammer are actually like exuding lightning, which I've done is yellow, just to contrast with her armour because it's rather than blue because it's uh, she's a celestial vindicator like mm. the rest of my storm cast. Um, but like, I like the idea that she sort of, even though she's at rest, I wanted to create this sort of story of she's sort of standing there, surveying the battlefield or something. But her hammer is still kind of like she's ready, to surging to with like soul energy or yeah, something. Yeah. Awesome. Um. So I'm really pleased that's coming along so far, and hopefully it'll be finished by the time uh, the podcast up, so I can put a final picture in. Um. But yeah, just that sort of process of, of discovery has been, been been really really rewarding, actually.
1: Yeah, I feel like the secretaries have really nailed the paladin aesthetic, and they they kind of call back to yeah the old empire in some interesting ways they do actually yeah they like they really remind me of um the old sigmarite wizards and uh the, yeah. those awesome models and that they've just kind of blended this new design and, and the results are so 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 cool yes, Got yes. To paint those. i'm those. I paint so many i was kind of uh torn between uh so chip's getting the main box as well and we were talking about like maybe we should swap halves of the set so that i'd have like two lots of this uh mm. of the and and Chimp could have two lots of night haunt. I thought, like maybe in December, come December, when I've painted up my stormcast and stuff, I might really love to do a night Taunt half of the set. Yeah. But then I thought that about the death card for my uh, uh for the. A Dark Imperium set which I bought last year and I painted a bunch of the Primaris and I probably will paint the rest of them I really like those models but uh, the, those Death Guard i are never going to paint them I realise now and I wonder if I've fallen to the same trap with the uh, AOS set I think so I would I would definitely recommend going into the store and things and looking at the models obviously you'll get the
0: models Yeah, yeah. but because the Stormcast monopose, mm. I suspect and and so are the Horn, and they're, they're lovely but they're they've obviously gone the extra to make them up, not, they, yeah I think yeah. I feel like you might end up having more stuff you don't like things like those the ballista would be fine and the secret would probably be fine mm. but like the art uh, lord i you just got a bonus yeah that's lord i you're probably not going to use yeah. and and not as easy to convert as other things mm. i think and also those ghosts are gonna be really fun to paint they are be so fun. i would probably i think if it was me i'd probably keep them hmm. maybe keep them on the sprue for now i'll do a test model or two and then like down the road if you end up not wanting them selling them on and yeah. using that putting that money towards like Stormcast hero. <laughs> yeah, or a box, or a couple of boxes of things you actually do yeah, want. For sure. I feel like doubling the contents of the core box isn't actually that useful in army, mm. if that makes sense, because yeah. you're, you're weighted towards things like the siege weapon and the special units and the heroes, which yeah, aren't necessarily yeah. what you're going to do. You'd probably want the multi-pose version of, for example, the knight encounter on foot. Yeah. More than you'd want another one in exactly the same pose. I,
1: I love, I love that pose and I love, again, it calls back to like the old Sigmar wizards, like the kind of wide outstretched arms and the kind yeah. of, the, looks the, like she's possessed. Um, yeah, yeah, the, the front of the Titanic casting as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is, uh, I, I, I think that's great. But if you've got two of those, it looks, it looks a bit stagy, doesn't it? They're in exactly the same pose and they're definitely going to release kind of maybe even posable versions of yeah. Yeah. They showed sure mounted versions of them as well. Yeah. That's true. I think you'd that's probably true. want that ultimately more mm. than you'd want. Yeah, just a load of the same stuff. Plus, like, I've got some ideas for Night Haunts and how to, I'd like to approach them completely differently to mm. how, how they, cause they're traditionally supposed to be like, you know, white and wispy and I quite like the idea of actually like making their skulls and limbs like black and almost glossy and kind of, as though like they've crawled out of the earth kind of thing yeah, and yeah. then actually having them, um having their cloaks be like, white um, washed in off flesh to be like a kind of dirty cloth. And there's lots of interesting ways you could do them that might be really different. And there's kind of no pressure for that. Like if it's just the second half of a, a starter box and you might never go on to collect the army, there's like no pressure to, to mess them up too much. You can be yeah.
0: quite adventurous. And the other thing is that like you get, you know, you're basically like an extra model away or mm. an extra box away from a thousand point army. Yeah, that's true. At which point you just got that. So yeah, you had to really go to a doubles nice. event or a yeah,
1: that's really true. small tournament. Yeah, that's really true. I think you'd uh, like. Yeah, I'd I recommend keeping them. Let's see. I think yeah. I will actually. And that's what's going to. I was thinking about that, but I've been going back and forth on it. Um, and also, just the, the, the shapes and silhouettes are just so different to Stormcast, and I think I'd really relish the. It would feel exotic and novel to paint uh, such different, uh, like a bunch of wibbly dudes instead of a bunch of you know staunch. Yeah, blocky dudes. Yeah, blocky or wibbly, and blocky or wibbly. That's the starter set. <laughs> blocky versus wibbly. Indeed. That's OS 2.0. Let's do some questions, Tom.
0: Lovely. Let's do some of the questions from the people who sent the questions. That's the listeners. Thank you very much for your questions. <laughs> Thanks. We don't have to do the whole bit in this podcast. I keep forgetting. Yeah, it's Doing the bit from the other podcast. <laughs> First up, Simon writes, Dear purveyors of painted pugilists, in the fourth, it is the year 40,000 and the only life hobbyists know is war. No one knows how the fight between order and chaos started, but search hard enough and you'll find fragments. The discord started it all someone drew a bant not received a misunderstood emoji for pete's sake now there's an endless war between two sides once you pick a side there is no turning back unpainted models will fall to pieces or snap into place once you pledge your hobby life to order or chaos you must choose
1: a life only painting by sub-assembly or after assembly this i mean this is the great rift it is in the model making model painting community it is
0: uh, and then he adds a PS to explain the joke. I don't think he needs explaining, but we'll go, mm-hmm. we'll go with it. Um, on the Discord channel, there's a good-natured discussion between people's preferences when it comes to sub-assemblies. Pete Fienia from Discord is firmly assemble first, while Drew is firmly sub-assembly. This question imagines the CNC Discord isn't full of positive, tolerant, enthusiastic people and the inevitable world cataclysm that would follow. Also, I have no idea if sub-assembly counts as ordered or chaotic. That's an interesting question in itself. Mm. Keep casting these pods, Curly uh, and or Simon. Um I am going to pipe my flag immediately and firmly in the camp marked sub
1: assemblies. Yeah. See I would say that's the order camp. I think it is as well. Yes because that's, that's planning ahead and that's making sure that when the final thing comes together, it is as proper as it could possibly be. Whereas yes. the, the, putting it all together and then just sort of hoping for the best. and The grey, plasticky undersides of the chaos men. Exactly. That's, I mean, below the, what appears to be like a shimmering and beautiful exterior, there's rot and corruption and indeed just clear grey plastic that yeah. hasn't even, has barely been primed. Yeah. And that's and the it, chaos way. Oh, even, and trying to paint that right is some sort of strange process of trying to shove a bendy brush up between oh, yes. chaos man's legs. Yeah, that, that is, that is the most mm. awkward thing you can do with the model really when you've yeah. you just got to snake that tiny, tiny brush in and it's going to, it's going to go right up the skirt and get the bit or. But yeah, so there's parts of my paladors that shamefully are, aren't painted, but you, you do need to get the microscope out and kind of get some mirrors to actually yeah. see where they are. I think it's definitely chaos.
0: Cause there's an yes. element of like, you understand if you go it. that way that you get away with it, yeah. that no one really cares yeah. that like the, that life is an illusion. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> the oil painting is, is men that have to look good from a tabletop and a certain
1: distance and certain angle mm. and anything else is a kind of folly of control. Yeah, exactly. Uh But yes, I, I've, I have painted some things in sub assemblies, and some things just do need to be painted in sub assemblies. Particularly like the Celestion Prime. If you want to do, you're sort of in the middle of this, aren't you? Yeah, I go I swing one, one way sort of or the, the other. Craftworld Eldar of painting. But, yeah, I'm torn between <laughs> chaos and order for sure. Um, you no, know, probably like I, i'm kind of I, i'm not that interested at all in collecting a chaos army but maybe i just want to be chaos about the way i approach yeah. <laughs> modeling other other stuff
0: i like so my um so these push fit sequiturs the one i've got on the table right now obviously mm. she doesn't have a hand or shield which is implies a sub assembly she's not even glued together just purely she's pushed just together purely pushed at the moment because um because i want the freedom to take her back apart yeah. at any time mm. should i need to so that's both that's that's sub assemblies all the way down like if I can mount every individual atom of a model on a piece of metal and stick it into a piece of cork and yeah. spray it separately, I will. Nice. You should see my fucking Lord of Chaos. Mm. He's in
1: six pieces, wow. I think. Okay. And he's a single man. Interesting. <laughs> I've kind of struggled with it a little bit in the past. So with the Palidors, are very complicated to put together. Yeah. And at one point, um so that you put the riders on, you do the, the mounts of the riders separately. Seems like the only way to do it. Uh, but then one of them, like you just need to glue the leg on last. So you can, uh the riders are actually super glued to the mounts yeah. because you know, you've painted everything. Uh And then there's this one stray, like, lower leg that you've got to glue on and it's just grey. And then you've got to do the whole gold process. And there's always that panic of, like, can will it look consistent will it look as though it's part of the rest of the model if it's painted separately and then you've got to put just put all of your faith in the formula and just do exactly the same formula as everything else and hope for the best and i feel like that's a slightly panicky thing that i get from sub-assemblies where i can paint everything separately but there might be inconsistency of it when it eventually comes together that's true
0: i think one thing i found one of the reasons i have pushed this uh the sequitur together is because doing non-metallic metals the gold, the light has to be coming from the same direction on every part mm. or else it'll look a bit wrong yeah, it's, envision so I've base coated uh in sub-assemblies and then pushed together to actually do the non-metallic metals yeah. because I want to be sure that so it means you have to plan quite smartly I'm still glad I did sub-assemblies because like the insides of shields and things yeah. But, mm. but yeah I appreciate that Fee
1: gets a lot more done than I do I think so mm. there's probably an argument to be made for not worrying this much i think there's a difference between hero units and battle lines as well a lot of the time um, yeah true 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 where if you just see a mass of models on the tabletop you're not really going to be looking at their skirts and then
0: no that's true but also you can save yourself a lot of grief with mm. um with sub assemblies the example i give is any 40k model that's holding their gun across their chest oh yeah you will be glad you painted the gun separately yeah because you will it'll be quicker like mm. it's it's flat out quicker than trying to reach the brush around yeah unless your space means are black like, or, unless your space marines are the same color as the base coat mm. spray. So grey or black or white. Yeah. You are going to be trying to get a color on the backside of the gun and the front side of their chest.
1: Mm, that's a nightmare. That, yeah. That's a nightmare.
0: And they, that's where they put the aquila on both sides. <laughs> that's true. But yeah, so I guess um, I'm definitely camp sub assembly. You are.
1: Uh, variable. Mostly all glue and modelled together. Yeah, unless it's absolutely necessary. The dark angels of yeah, yeah. That's the, famous, the Exactly. Of the cipher
0: of y- yeah. Who knows something. what I'll do, <laughs> or even who I am. <laughs> Just a cool man with two guns. That's all <laughs> they have to pay. In something. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Our next question comes from Jason, who writes: "Hello, Chris and Tom. I recently found my way back into the hobby by way of Shades Buyer, with its combination of low price point, short play time, and relatively simple mechanics." Since then, my interest has expanded to 40k with a friend and I splitting the Forge Bane box. I've been having a great time assembling and painting the models, but I'm finding myself intimidated at the prospect of dividing fully into the hobby, or sorry, d- diving fully into the hobby with the purchase of codices, rule books, terrain, etc. My question is this, how do you reconcile the desire to assemble and paint a specific model with the worry that you may not want to actually play the game system or faction associated with it? Thanks for the wonderful pod. I look forward to it every month. Cheers, Jason,
1: aka Furious Cabbage on Discord. Hmm. It's nice to give yourself one-off projects and just—it is, you know—enjoy uh, painting the thing for for you know, for its own value, really. Yeah, and uh, yeah, if you if you're interested enough to be painting it, then uh, it's fine never to play with it. If it looks on your shelf or you, you you know get out of the cupboard and look at it every now and then, you know or you learn something, you learn some techniques that you take into your other models, that's the value of the model. Yeah, yeah. And you've absolutely. gotten out of that. And yeah, yeah. I, I never feel like I've wasted a model if I never end up playing with it. I get excited I mean excited to use my paladors and stuff, but if it ends up they just sit on my shelf and I look at them and think, Oh, they're cool. Yeah. yeah that's that's it for me. That's that's enough. Mm,
0: I agree. I think um painting competitions are a good way of justifying this sometimes mm. for me like sort of That's like true. i thought about using bits of my shame pile for that until i realized i just wanted less shame pile and more more gribble men mm. um but um but also i think like yeah you're right one model can be a reward i paint far more than i play so enjoying what i'm painting is more important than yeah playing um i also think that there are, there are aspects one of the things that i quite like about um some of the new rules, it's not universally true, but a quite or, uh, obviously the downside to some of the new summoning stuff, for example, is um you might feel like you have to pick up Chaos Spawn or whatever, mm. or Demon Prince. But on the other hand, there are new ways to find places for those sorts of models in your army that you might not have already had. So yeah, now it's like, actually, if you fancy doing Demon Prince, do a Demon Prince. You don't have to really worry about, mm. you know, does it fit in my particular list? Because you might just get one for free sometimes. yeah. yeah. Convert up some chaos spawn. The thing is, like, there's a fun rule for uh, the Realm of Beasts. Have you seen this? Mm. Doesn't have any command abilities, right? But each player is allowed to bring a monster, an extra monster, and just put it on the table. <laughs> right. No one controls it; it just does whatever the fuck it oh, wants. That's awesome. Well, both players control it. Oh, that's sweet. So it's like that's an right end it. of spell and position. So yeah. if you have a fancy, just painting a model from a different Grand Alliance or from Forge World or something, mm. then play a couple of games in the Realm of Beasts, and you found a use for it. Like yeah. you don't have to build an army around it.
1: Yeah, and for the smaller. Uh, model count, there's always, there's various skirmishes now, like in both AOS and in 40k, there's various kind of scales that you can engage at. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, sort of throw your models together and not worry. Too yeah, much skirmish is a good point as well. Allegiances or necessarily you don't have to stick to the letter of the law as long as the models are there and they look cool. I think
0: in short, okay. if you, do, if you like the plastic thing, <laughs> yeah. if you, if the thing, if the plastic thing would make you happy, you could, you're probably allowed to have the plastic thing. <laughs> Indeed. That's probably okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Hobby, hobby project. It's good. It's nice. Yeah.
0: Um, I have not loaded the next question, so I'm going to have to store for time momentarily while I load this next question, which is from Pete, a.k.a. Fienia, yeah. yeah. 17 for 17. How do you feel about really, really old models? I'm a huge <laughs> fan of GW's current miniatures, and I find the armies with old sculpts to be a bit off aesthetically. This is most notable in armies like Craftworld Eldar, which have a large selection of very old miniatures in the yeah. current rotation. Is this just an aesthetic feeling of mine, or is it a common feeling?
1: Love the show. Pete. Slash Fiania from Discord definitely a clash with the very very old models like I I couldn't put down the old wood elf archers anymore which I used to paint when I was you know a kid Um, they're all exactly the same pose and they're designed to slot together in a a block yeah and and they would not look good in AOS now they're just a totally different scale as much as anything Mm. Uh, yeah so I I would have the same reservations
0: I feel this way about chaos warriors um, Mm. because I keep wanting saves to darkness and I keep feeling like a saves to darkness revamp might be around the corner and I want to know yeah and I sort of want them again because they have lots of flat panels on their armor and that sounds easy mm. um but then i stopped thinking you know what i mean like i've noticed that gw started painting them with like or like showing models that are painted with like loads of freehand on the flat panels and things try and spice them up a bit mm. um but yeah they are old and it sort of puts me yeah. off because they'd be standing very stiffly next <laughs> to the world's most extra beastman.
1: yeah yeah they um i'd love a new chaos warrior kit with all the technology and all the skill and stuff yeah. that they could bring to bear to make them as hulking and as powerful and as they and scary as they used to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One thing I would say though on the flip side is that I've been impressed sometimes to discover models, pretty old models in some cases, that are actually rad. Hmm. Like there are, you know, there are sort of exceptions to the rule as well. Like it's worth remembering that a lot of the Silver range is quite old at That's this true. point. Yeah. Um and all that stuff looks great. Yeah. Um I always find that like there are maybe I find it more often in um you know, I find it in AOS and in 40K, like, occasionally you'll see, like, a, an old Dark Elf infantry model, like, Scourge Privateer's stuff, Well, those models still look really, really cool. Um, there's sort of, like, scaled cloaks and sort of curved daggers of, like, the Corsairs and yeah. things like that. And then, you know, a lot of the sort of – a lot of the current, um, like, Glade Guard sculpts and things look really good on on yeah, round bases, true. like – the Sisters of the Thorn. That's really awesome. Yeah, kit. and like those are all old Warhammer Fantasy Battle stuff, mm. and and they look really good. I always find that with um, I think Dark Eldar mm.
1: have a lot of cool. Sorry, Drew Carey. Yeah, the uh, um, their ships are the Reaver ships yeah. are, are super cool, they're, and they're fairly old now. I think mm. they still look rad.
0: Um, most pointed sense of this for me is is old Space Marines versus Primaris. Mm. Um, just so there's a height difference and kind of feel. Um, but yeah, like I, I, it's nice every now and then to go like, what bits that from and find some kind of really cool model you didn't, you really didn't know existed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I think, um, I think particularly as somebody who doesn't convert a lot, which I would say is something I need to do more of probably Mm -hmm. I'm very much drawn towards the newer models. Yeah. Uh, if I was less, if I was more of a converter, Mm -hmm. I think I wouldn't care as much. Yeah. That makes sense. Our next question comes from Kingsley, who writes, Hi, Chris and Tom. Since I started to get back into the hobby last year, I've definitely improved my painting technique to the point that anything painted before Christmas is now looking quite shabby in, compared to new, compared in comparison to newer models. I used to prefer very soft, naturalistic highlighting, but recently I've realized that more cartoony highlighting works much better, at least for certain types of model. The acquisition of an army painter psycho detail brush <laughs> has, <laughs> has to take some of the credit, but this feels like a leap in quality brought back brought on by improved techniques or i will learn to read um so are there any techniques that are or were specifically weak spots for you and what do you think has been the biggest area of improvement in your painting Mm. cheers kingsley an interesting question i thought a
1: question uh just painting lines (laughs) just painting a straight line that's hard that's really mm. hard. You only get better at that by doing it over and over again. Uh, and that's still something I need to get better at, but it's something that's, um, specifically doing the fur and stuff from the paladors has been a, you know, great practice for just getting straight thin lines and controlled brushes. The, the thing I, I would love, like to improve is just basically how to get recognize the correct consistency of paint before actually attempting to do fine detail because yeah uh, rather than like yeah Yeah. or oh it's a bit thicker it's not coming off the brush and just learning to get that done Mm. that more consistent will be the next step for me and improve a lot but yeah probably just straight lines (laughs) yeah um i think
0: i think for me i've seen like incremental change in everything like Mm. I, i can't think of an area where it's like You know, not that I've improved a lot, but it feels like it's always been like pulling everything forward, mm-hmm. like a sort of like average with everything, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Or like not everything, but you know what I mean? Like I didn't feel like there was one thing I definitely couldn't do. Yeah, everything to, just gets
1: a little bit, little bit sweeter, better. better.
0: But I would say that I've gotten a lot better at, um, understanding color and like how different paints interact with each other yeah. and like kind of using fewer pots of paint, but getting more colors out of them with mm-hmm. mixing and things is something I've gotten a lot more confident with. Whereas yeah, that's previously really cool. I was kind of doing blends and things, but mostly like, and wet blends and things, but mostly like relying on GW's progression of colors. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I feel a lot more confident going like, this needs some, I don't know, this needs some Oshabdi bone mixed into it yeah. or whatever. This needs to be more yellow, like the color theory side of things. In terms of like, um, I think I've gotten better at using glazes and washes mm. and knowing how they move and moving them into the right places and pre- like caring to prevent them from pooling yeah. in stupid places which is something that I just wasn't asked about when I started painting mm. and I think maybe that's something that yeah that's useful because it makes a big difference it does because
1: you don't think it does and then you're like hang on why it's, is this just, just orange because like, it goes really glossy as well like it yeah. changes the sheen of the model as well if it gets too
0: thick yeah hmm interesting question though mm. like because basically I mean I realise sometimes that like i haven't moved forward that much at all in some ways like mm. you know my Gaunt summoner and my algroid are still like look fine and it's like I, that was the, some of the first models i did mm. and it's sort of almost annoying in a way so, like <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it depends i mean i think like the Zangle might stand up better to photographing and things like that i think right.
0: they will although that they have spent so long in that middle stage where enough of them isn't done that mm. the, and the bases it's aren't done that you them. can't see them properly yeah, yet i know what you mean that like hopefully the fact that I've left it so long and taken so long will be that the moment where they click will be yeah. amazing. Or it might just be like, oh. <laughs> yeah. It could really go either way. Yeah. Our next question comes from uh I don't think I left the name, so Devoted of Miniatures Monthly. Mm. Dear mods and rockers, how do you feel about non-GW models in AOS specifically? I've recently come into possession of some Mios miniatures for Counts as Chaos, Chosen of Chaos, as the current offering from Games Workshop don't really represent my idea of chaos. I know GW is a quite uh gws are quite prohibitive officially but i think it's nice to branch out personally i realize this is more of a statement than a question so eh,
1: you're sincerely
0: devoted of miss
1: has some uh miss miniatures do some really really nice almost dark whole style nights yeah that i feel that there's, they fill holes that the gw range doesn't do dark uh, holes dark holes <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for that i'd be tempted i think but um i just uh I just really like the GW stuff. It's quite difficult for Stormcast. You can't really sub in stuff for Stormcast because they're very kind of clear outlines, yeah. and you you know you can't just sub in a knight from some other faction. That- I always
0: find that subbed in each looks wrong mm. to me mm. um, because it just becomes a bird. It's
1: just a right. bird thing. Yeah. Um, so but- maybe it depends on the army. If you're if you're only like Beastmen or you know uh, Everchosen or something like that, and you see yeah. some generic Chaos infantry, then I can imagine that'd be pretty good to reach out to other ranges. Yeah. Uh, but I mean. GW's plastic is really, really, really good, especially their new stuff.
0: Yeah, scale, scale is a big part of it for me because scale creep is a real thing and, and GW scale has crept way beyond what 28mm <laughs> would be considered to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so when it's like, it doesn't look quite right, it looks really wrong. Mm. Um, other factors that I find prohibitive is one, I don't enjoy working with resin. I actively dislike working with metal. Mm. That limits options otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah, like... I've, I've used third-party bits on models, yeah. Uh basing and occasionally for conversion parts and things. Generally, though, I find that I don't... It's rare to see a third-party model that really gives me pause in terms of wanting to include it. Mm. And that's not intended to be, like, shade on things, but, like, there's just a sort of... Sometimes they're just not nice. Like, um I've got some... I was given as a, like, a kind of... Just because they were lying around, I think, at Big once. Um, some... Third-party Thousand Suns shoulder pads for forty k from before the new Ruben Marine kit came out, and the design sensibility that's gone into them is they obviously Space Marine shoulder pad sized, and they just have Egyptian stuff on them, right. like their Thousand Suns by virtue of being Egyptian, Egyptian stuff, Anks and Anubis faces and things. Yeah. Whereas all of the official GW Thousand Suns stuff is really right for the Thousand Suns, like it's mm. you know it's it's a specific you know, iconography of that fiction and that setting. Yeah. And I understand there are rights reasons why it has to be that way, but that's one of the reasons I wouldn't go for the third party stuff. Cause that's like generic Egyptian Marine mm. bit. Maybe you can make it work. I don't know. I remember being snobby, but like for me that like, I've never, it's rare to see a bit that I go like, oh man, like, I mean, I've seen like, you know, Miss miniatures stuff and also the kingdom death stuff, very dark souls in monster design. Yeah. I'd really love to paint some of that stuff, but I wouldn't use it in Warhammer because mm. it looks like a part of a different game. Yeah for me yeah it makes sense um yeah i don't know if i would no probably not probably not and the other reason for that is because like the places i enjoy playing the most apart from here and you know local stores the places i'd like to go to play like Warhammer world Mm -hmm. and even though i appreciate this is somewhat drinking the kool-aid knowing that i can't do that with models that aren't official yeah puts me in the ecosystem and i don't want to sound like you know the sort of person that won't buy a piece of technology that comes out of an apple store or something because i would happily play other games yeah but it's like it's part of the hobby right mm. it's part of the the price of entry for better or for worse so yeah, yeah. indeed hmm. next question comes from mr juice who writes dear jet dear that's Le- shit sorry he writes Dear DJ Tom C-Fuck and MC Fresh Cress. I think that's a crossover from, uh, the Crate the, and Crowbar. Yes, it is. Um, that, to explain, that was based on the time that I started to introduce, uh, Crate and Crowbar main podcast regular Tom Francis as Tom Senior. Caught myself halfway and said the word fuck. Yeah. Inventing the man Tom Seafuck, C. C. Fuck, which is, yeah.
1: Um,
0: uh, who's not present. The mystery third Tom. Uh, uh, Mr. Juice writes, imagine that GW make a MOBA. Where the characters are all Primarchs, mm. um, what would their Primarch ability be?
1: Their Primarch ability? As uh, in mean, what would the Primarch's abilities be? Oh, I see. I can read. Uh, mm. an, uh, A Primarch mobo is a pretty good idea, actually. <laughs> I think it is. I think, I think you'd have,
0: so Lehman Russ, right? Mm-hmm. He presses, I think we should just go for ultimates. Yeah. And build entire kits here. Yeah. I think Lehman Russ presses R for his ultimate. And all men turn into dogs and all dogs turn into men.
1: It just reverses. Yeah.
0: Nice. Yes, exactly. It's like a yeah.
1: It's like that yeah. It's
0: like that song Werewolf Bar mitzvah. Okay. <laughs> and what happens then? Uh they they'll, they'll, they'll they'll run at people and, okay, and yeah, charge so and, and, yeah, that makes and sense. shout and bite and claw and fight. That's brilliant. Um, yeah. Um I think when Magnus starts to lose a game. Mm. You can type GG and you and your entire team teleport into a different game <laughs> that you can then win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nice.
1: <exactly>. Nice. <laughs> nice. I like the way, you know, the tactic playing against Magnus would just be to bully him until he gets sad and then leaves your game and goes. Exactly. To you have to, you have Go to beat aggro. him while he's sulking. Yes. Not where he's triumphantly cheating. Yes. Um, mm. various manners just like you know you have a big light show then he just hits guy with a spanner this is like you know three powers up but i'm the greatest inventor in the imperium one, one little hit and then whatever he hits explodes or you know yeah yeah is, uh, but you know he's just you know that's he's got to make that spanner go a long way mm. it make it really work it uh let's think gooderman just lectures it's like a sleep area of effects sort of sleep <laughs> that's spell. basically
0: from like Deckard cane in here as the storm yeah right, exactly right? Yeah.
1: yeah he just starts reading you know the um uh, the rules of the space, a tactical engagement. Yeah. Code sees he just starts reading those. Yeah. Out. And, and if he runs out of that, he starts reading like extended user license
0: agreement <laughs> for various forms of future software. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think, um, I think, uh, Sanguinius causes all blood angels to explode when he dies. <laughs> nice. <laughs> for better Brutal, and for worse. But nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, not that's really an alt, but nonetheless, um, let's think. Alpharius
1: would be a fun one to design. It turns out like yeah, your ultimate is just Alpharius just... You're on your opponent's team now. Yeah, or, or just a random creep is Alpharius. Yeah. Just like, oh oh no, lines.
0: that should be... the I, I don't know if it was right for the lion, but the Dark Angel one should totally be you get to decide what team you're on at mm. any given time <laughs> <laughs> based on who's winning. Yeah, nice. Yeah, press R. Yeah. yeah, indeed. Um, let's think, who else we got? Who else we got? There are the ones that are sort of easy and hard, like... Um, Jagga Khan You just ride the bike. You can just ride a bike. He's a, he does, does a, good, does a cool really wheelie. good. He does a cool wheelie. He does a cool wheelie. It's very yeah. impressive. And all those, <laughs> he, whoa! He remains three <laughs> seconds <stun. yeah. laughs> he remains present <laughs> or not. Else is good. Um. I mean, the obvious thing for something like Rogue Dawn would be like, all buildings are invulnerable for the mm. next minute. That's kind of boring. It's just a glyph. Basically. But I mean, it would be boring, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be boring. It yeah. would just glyph. Yeah, it It's a really long glyph, that's it. Yeah. Um I think maybe what it is, is you combine that with the idea of the pain glove, and you do glyph. Mm. So all buildings are invulnerable for 20 seconds or something. But during that time... uh dawn just screams helplessly <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 that's like a map wide effect so you know that the glyph's up because you hear him screaming in yeah in, in useless agony
0: yeah that sounds great let i play that um let's, let's fulgrim thing thing um his actual
1: uh matchmaking rating is displayed a lot higher than it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he, uh, he can duel people. That's the thing he does a lot, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. That's just Legion Commander from Just Boating. Legion, yeah, pretty much what he would do. Yeah, same.
0: true. You're right.
1: Um, hmm, let me think.
0: Uh, I suppose it's always like Horus. We always forget about the dead Primarchs.
1: Yeah. I think Horus would like just turn people on the opponent's team onto your side. Yeah. Or every really, really charming Beautiful, charismatic speech.
0: Like yes, like pick a couple of people and just have to the, come onto the, your side. You're just
1: gorgeous. Yeah, and you just you're shining. God, what a man! ...bold head.
0: Just yeah. Yeah. convinces people to. Uh, the um, the on. Corvus Corax one is that you actually your team gets to pick it, have an extra player on it, because no one knows you're there. So <laughs> right. it's infinite 5 Oh, we've got four people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I we'll have an extra person. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. and then yeah. you just realize just a sixth those... person. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um. I think. Night Haunter. Angron is basically Sven. Yeah. Uh, so but but all, all, the all the time. Sven's alting yeah. all the time.
0: Alting more, if anything. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah. I think Angron's really easy because he's just a video game character anyway. Basically. It's, <laughs> yeah. Some of the primarctures are, aren't they? Yeah. Good. I think we got to the bottom of that. Yeah, I think, of I think the
1: important ones we covered.
0: Yeah. So that's the last of our questions. Before we wrap up, I wanted to talk about miniatures monthly... Live event
1: Ooh. Ooh.
0: thing. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I put a questionnaire up on Twitter, a Google questionnaire to kind of gauge interests in various different kinds of things. And we've sort of gone through those results and the overwhelming preference, uh, was for an event, uh, an Age of Sigmar event, um, and something that, or an event that supported Age of Sigmar and something that had a sort of narrative focus. So that's where we're kind of leaning at the moment. Um, thanks to everybody who did send us some info based on that. Um, I am of the belief that, uh, and uh, I appreciate I kind of weighted it this way a little bit, but I do think, uh, the South Wales gaming center in Cardiff makes the most sense for our purposes.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, very easy to get to through train links and things and uh, it's also the centre itself is close to pubs and other things that would facilitate some like socialising and fun indeed yeah so and
0: and because socialising and to a lesser extent a live recording of the podcast are important to mm. people we want to factor those things in yep. uh, which both become more difficult uh, for example Warhammer World which was the most popular alternative destination mm. which not I means it's not worth considering but it places a lot of restrictions on what we can do and also what is available in the vicinity yeah um, so, and um, particularly given the numbers we're potentially looking at, uh, which, uh, is, uh, based on purely based on respondents, but between somewhere between, uh, anywhere between 15 and 40 people, mm. uh, which again would be quite difficult to do as a, a thing we could manage at one world. So yeah. what this means is that we're going to move ahead with that info basically, and try and put something together that will probably be a age of Sigmar narrative campaign building out of the stuff the games we are playing and, and describing on the podcast and battle reports over the next couple of months. Um, but with also freedom to bring and play 40k if you like, or Shadespire or uh, uh, any other game, X-Wing, particularly if we end up at a, a game agnostic setting. Yeah, for sure. So um I'm going to take these results as kind of the starting gun for me to go and actually do the phone calls and, mm. and make the thing do. Um So I guess I just expect more information on this as 17. As as time progresses. Also, I should have mentioned, sorry, almost certainly October or November. Because mm. I think December's a really difficult time for events for a lot of people. And those two months were pretty much neck and neck in terms of how popular they were with people. So yeah. a weekend in October or November, if it's the kind of thing you're interested in, uh watch this space because we will have more info. Very exciting. Uh and that brings us uh to an end of, of episode seventeen of Miniatures Monthly. Uh, but obviously you're going to get another Minutes Monthly all about Age of Sigma as if this one was somehow about Subutio. <laughs> um, in the next couple of weeks and then regular Minutes Monthly at the end of July. So if, uh, you'd like to obviously find out more about the, the Crate and Crowbar podcast can be found at Crate or on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Crate and Crowbar. And all of our stuff is supported by Patreon. You can find out more about that at patreon.com forward slash
1: Crate and crowbar tom how do people find your tiny plastic people uh they'll be on the instagrams and uh my username there is ludo Minis. that's l-u-d-o paints minis lovely i'm on instagram at exit warp that's e-x-i-t-w-a-r-p and thanks
0: uh as ever to uh music man mike debenham who composed our intro song i sometimes forget to credit him and i forget that every time yeah what a guy what a guy what a guy anyway catch you in a couple of weeks everybody see you thanks